What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing tonight? Doing great. How are you, Bob? Doing great. I, I'm good. I'm about to, to crack my first beer of the evening, a toasted a Blue Point toasted lager. I actually had one with dinner a couple hours ago, but we'll see. Well, not your first. What yeah. was your dinner, Bob? Was it a uh, was it a bowl of sugar? <coughs> God damn it, Zach. Don't make me snarf my beer on camera. A waste of good beer. <laughs> Ugh. But was it a bowl of sugar? <laughs> no, it was leftovers. Just a bunch of reheated stuff. Sugar. A bunch of reheated sugar. There you go. <laughs> if you say so. Yeah. So what so, are you drinking again, Renee? Mine is an upside Wellington IPA. Nice. Nice. I drink only a... IPA. Nice. Zach is drinking a bottle of his own bath water. How about you, Mike? What are you drinking? I'm just drinking a, a glass of tea or a mug of tea. Actually, Bob, I'm chasing uh, something down. You sent a whole liter of what's otherwise, I'm assuming, to be horse ejaculate that I've been drinking. <laughs> and uh, I have been chasing that with water. because Maybe it was business. mine. You'll never know. Oh, gosh. Well, I would. I would not. <clears throat> well, while we normally would be here to all make fun of each other, we did actually have a real technical thing to talk about. Uh, power supplies. And Renee is a power expert and my go-to for all of these questions. Obviously, Mike Chi knows quite a bit about this, and Voltar's a know-it-all, so we had to have him on or he wouldn't talk to us. But uh, I wanted to talk about all of these things from what replacement power supplies are good, why, to using some of the newer USB PD stuff that I have uh, weird feelings about, let's just say. So where should we start? Um, Should we start at the very basics? Don't buy a $2 AliExpress, eBay, or Amazon power supply that weighs about one ounce and plug that into your console. (laughs) Should we start there? Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Sorry for interrupting. Um, And Bob, you you have a background in 60601 testing, right? So, Yeah, um, I'm kind of the Nick Mueller cheerleader of most of the stuff that I've been involved in, though. So it's uh, I've spent infinite amount of hours in EMI chambers and I've worked deep in power and even motherboard uh, design and stuff like that, but I am nowhere near the expert of you all. My job was always to know a lot about a lot of different things. So I'm an expert in nothing and I know too much about too many things. So I'm a, I'm always the decent middleman for conversations like this. Cause I have no ego. You're all fucking smarter than me. So it's <laughs> well, well let's put it in perspective. I mean, I've done 60601 too, uh, only two, full device certifications and before you mentioned these numbers about a minute ago i did not remember what the number of the certification was because it was so far back in the past so yeah for anybody wondering what what phone number we're all rattling off to each other it's 60601-1 and-2 are medical grade um full certifications and that's something we're definitely going to talk about, not medical grade, but the, the consumer certification stamps that you see on power supplies and how those are actually relevant and important to stuff. But yeah, anybody that's dug into medical grade testing knows it's consumer testing times 10. It's actually much, much harder because if you have something that doesn't perform exactly the way it's supposed to plugged into your TV, what are, what are the real consequences? Where if you have it plugged in next to equipment that's in charge of keeping people alive, you could kill somebody if your equipment isn't running properly. So a, that's why it's a lot yeah. more strict. It's not only killing people. It's the fact that the power supply could have a almost direct point of contact to your body or within your body as well, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so 
let's start out with the basics of why are just the cheap garbage power supplies a very terrible idea to to use. I to think us. what's important. Well, I th I think what should be discussed to preface that topic is what is fundamentally different between the power supplies that were shipped, that were shipped with the Segas and the Supers of the 1980s and early 90s with modern day switch mode power supplies that are shipped in about, in, in an overwhelmingly, in, in just about everything. Because I think the premise here is that, you know, the, the, the linear power systems that we used 20, 25, 30 years ago operate under a different set of rules, so to speak. And the new stuff can operate perfectly and be clean and be efficient and work fine with, let's say, let's just call it all this legacy equipment. But unfortunately, the problem is, is not the difference in technology. The difference is the way it's been implemented. And a lot of the cheaper things, a lot of the things don't have any, that a lot of the power supply systems that don't have any sort of conformity certification or any sort of vigorous testing, which that's the vast majority of power supply systems that you'll see on the Chinese market, not just never mind the build quality, just the design of the thing. Those can not only be, those can not only um, be a hindrance to having good performance out of your system, but they can be absolutely dangerous to you, to your family, to your home. And I think it's important, Renee and Mike and everybody, let's discuss linear systems, switching mode systems, why we don't use why we don't use just a big transformer anymore in a wall wart. Why do we move away? Why did we move to these small inline switch mo switching mode systems? And why is that both good and bad for um, our our vintage elect electronics? Is that okay? Does that sound fair? Yeah. 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 I, I I just like to point out that those those power supplies that were shipped with consoles, you know, twenty, thirty years ago, they they were shipped not only to the consumer in that state, but they were given to the regulatory agencies to be tested with that specific power supply. <clears throat> That's the big difference here. Yeah, Renee, I, you make a good point. I got to interrupt to make sure that we don't skip over this. So not only are the power supplies themselves rated that were shipped with consoles, they then also have to be tested with the console itself in order to get the full certification. So that that's an important thing. So sorry for interrupting. I wanted to make sure everybody knew that. Yeah, I just wanted to go over that before we we go into the differences between linear and switch mode power supplies. But you'll you'll have for consumer grade electronics, you'll have various you know EMI testings, like you mentioned, right? You go in the chamber and you use your antenna and you make sure that it doesn't emit too much of whatever uh, in, inside of those frequency bands that you're not allowed to emit. But those are tested with the power supplies that ship, right? And then those those emissions tests could totally fail with a different power supply. Right. 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 Exactly. Is that is that something that's going to be measurable? For, for the user in terms of, uh, of output, so we're talking about the video signal and the audio signal, it could be the case. As far as I know, all of the power supplies that I've seen anyway online that are replacing like a Nintendo or a Sega power supply, the best I've seen is a screenshot of the DC uh, voltage rail, which, I mean, doesn't really tell me much. I mean, sure, it's, it's one thing to measure. It's not the only thing to measure. I don't think it's the important one either. I mean, I, I'm always a little bit skeptical of the screen sh uh, scope screenshots because you don't know how the ground clips were placed. I mean, there's right. no triggering. So, you know, you've got mm -hmm. one instant where it's stable and then you 
put in an SD card from an ODE and then you brown out, right? So, yeah. you know, there, there's just a yeah. lot to it. And uh, I you know I, I can speak from personal experience that you just can't trust a random out of context scope shot. No, well, the other I mean, thing... <clears throat> they'll have it running on auto and they'll just wait for one, one capture catch. that looks nice. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing, too, I, I see this a lot on the Internet. Now, just, just to sort of preface this with a little bit of information, Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo, regular Nintendo, Sega Master System, Turbo Graphics, <sighs> effectively just about every single console from the fifth generation backward use something called a 7805, which is just a 5-volt regulator that, take, that requires at least 7.5 volts DC coming in to downregulate that, the uh, difference in energy is thermally dissipated, and that's how all of these systems have a 5-volt supply because everything, all of this is old TTL stuff that runs on 5-volt logic, 5-volt rail-to-rail supply system. So since we understand that's basically what's in all of these systems, people say, well, it, I, I've seen people say it really doesn't matter what kind of power supply that you use, as long as you're providing the appropriate voltage level that the 7805 can take and convert into to a um, five volt supply. 7805 regulators were designed to work with a certain amount of frequency content in the input in the incoming power supply. The switching mode power supplies that we have today, they have Oh my God! The frequency, uh, the 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 uh, the the cycle refresh is so much faster, and it's so much more frequency content than the old linear systems and the the wall warts that you have. That you have, it's just a it's just a transformer and effectively a, a filter capacitor that's in this wall wart that you plug in. These old um, voltage regulators were never designed for the bukus of frequency that are output and generated by these switching mode power supplies. And, you know, you have things such as ripple rejection and you other, you have other very important qualities that the 7805, that these regulators just didn't really care about back then because it just, it, it didn't operate that way. And people really need to understand that you're, it's not just a matter of two different technologies. It's a matter of two different, entirely different use cases. You know, Super Nintendo, regular Nintendo, Sega Genesis, these are mixed signal systems. They have an analog and they have a digital. And if you... Digital systems, there's a lot higher of a threshold for a noisy ripple or for a lot of frequency content that may couple in because it's all absolute logic. Analog, you can just say goodbye to having nice audio or nice analog video if you have a power supply that is untempered and you plug it into these old systems using the old um, uh, you know, non-dropout regulators. Like, I mean... I don't know. You guys can probably talk about that a lot better than I can. Like fundamentally, why that's not good unless it's been designed to have a certain, you know, a for a certain um, performance profile under certain conditions. But that's that's really important. Well, here's, well, I mean, here's, the, here's the simplest way I can put it. Right, you have you have your old power supply that's running at a rectified 60 hertz, so 120 hertz. <clears throat> if you're designing a circuit to reject 120 hertz noise that's going to look drastically different than you're, if you're designing a circuit to reject like 200 or 300 kilohertz noise. And the, the simplest way to explain that to a layperson would be uh, if you have uh, an equalizer, say for, an, for a sound system, if you want to remove a bass frequency like 120 hertz, you'll use you know one of the bass knobs. If you want to remove high frequency, you'll use a totally different control, right? So, so we're talking about two very different ends of the spectrum here. 
uh, in terms of, of ripple rejection. Yeah, that's really good. That's a good way of putting that. So I guess um, one of the things that is a common misconception is that all switch mode power supplies shouldn't be used in place of linear. And I think what, what Zach mentioned right off the bat, which is I definitely wanted to get into, is that's not true. Cheap, badly built, inconsistent, unregulated switch mode power supplies shouldn't be trusted. I mean, anything that's that bottom of the barrel shouldn't be trusted, period. But uh, in in this context, you know, with retro consoles. And by the way, the cheapness isn't just about power supply type. It's also the barrels don't often fit perfectly. So if you wiggle the cable, your power will, uh, your console will reset. Can we reserve some time to talk about barrel jacks versus USBs? Because I, I think barrel jacks should just die. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. There's uh, I, I have I a lot of it. thoughts about that too. So let's Den, get into good versus bad in, in switch mode. Why is it okay to use power supplies like the triads when we're warning about this stuff well triads are sold i i bought one at digikey at one point right so so they have a, a proper supply chain in the united states which means you know they went through regulatory testing so if it says it can handle whatever if it can handle 500 milliamps on the enclosure then that's true that's been tested that's very different than if you jump on aliexpress and you order power supply with zero markings that probably shouldn't even be entering the U.S. or Canadian market. And just as important, that triad power supply, it's going to have, it's going to yield the same, it's going to have the same performance profile, not from just two, three, or four, or five, or six of them, but every one of them will statefully have the same performance. The thing on AliExpress, yes, the, the injection mold may look identical, but the thing that's inside, the guts inside, could be drastically and radically different. Yeah. And I mean, to be clear, too, that's why so many of us have been consistently recommending the triads, not because it's the best power supply ever. It's, it's not, but it's always tested the same way from the first time we found one years ago to now. Whenever you put a load on it, you throw it on a scope, you even just throw it uh, you know, on a regular multimeter to check things out. It's consistently performed fine. The barrel jacks all fit properly, or at least the when you have the adapter cables for the ones that need it are all fine as well. Um, they're a lot smaller than the original wall warts. So the consistency of those triads reflects their certification because they're supposed to notify their customers and change the part number if the build changes. And that's right. so far, that's been consistent. Those Power Plus PSUs that Steve found a couple of years ago were like that. They were great. And then due to some of the regulations around the world, Power Plus changed the components and they didn't perform as well. But there's a different, slightly different model number revision. They, they have that paperwork out there. They're, they are certified. That's one of the reasons why, why we go with those is just because you're... Unless something really bad happens to that company, you're going to get the same PSU today that you did five years ago. Right. Exactly. So why then? Why is that switch mode power supply safe to use in place of linear? Are you asking why Why would the triad, for example, be an acceptable replacement for a what you would consider a legacy power supply? Why can I? Why why is it acceptable to replace the wall wart that came with my Super Nintendo with a triad? Right. Because after strenuous and extensive testing, and I, let's see, I did this. 
I think Renee did this, and I know Steve Kulov did this. We t- we talked about this in 2017, like this very topic. We're coming back full circle. Listen, we put that son of a bitch through all sorts of different loads. We put it through all sorts of different stringent tests to see where things lived and how clean things were. And it, we modeled that thing, or we didn't model it, but we looked at it and we determined that its performance profile was not just good enough, it was excellent, and it was comparable. It was comparable to the power system that came with the system in terms of how clean that it was. And that's why it's reasonable. And that's why it's okay to use because it didn't do any harm and it didn't do, not only did it do any, didn't do any harm, but from a performance perspective, um, it was absolutely comparable to original factory equipment. It doesn't have to be better necessarily. It just has to be comparable and it can't be worse. And that's why the triad, and you know, for all intents and purposes, let me just make this clear. The triad is not the cleanest that is not the cleanest supply that you can buy, but it is clean enough and it's consistent and it's very good for the purposes of interfacing that with, you know, old legacy retro video games, but video game consoles. That's why. See, that's the other thing. That's the other sort of, you know, trolls. I'm going to call them trolls. You'll see them like on the shmups forums and other places, and I'll name drop that shitty place. But listen, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, you see people, you'll they'll take that. They'll take that little bit of information and they'll cut off about two thirds of what I said. And they'll say, Voltar said that switching mode power, switch mode power supplies are bad and you can never replace them with, you can never use them as a substitute for the factory wall warts. And that, you know, they're, they're the devil and anyone who uses them, they're dumb and all this. I don't know how that gets so conflated, but that's never, that has never been the argument and that has never been the statement from anybody here. Switch mode power supplies are fantastic. The thing is, you just have to be careful and you have to make sure that the one that you're getting is good. And that's what everybody here is just cautioning about because a lot of the stuff that you see on AliExpress is unfortunately the same stuff that you'll see in a lot of retro modding shops. A lot of shops that deal with mod parts and mod kits, really what they're doing is they're buying something from AliExpress and it has a different little silk screen logo or something on the plastic, but it's effectively the same. But unfortunately, the consistency is not there in terms of the quality because people change hands, the components change. This Chinese vendor gets a much cheaper deal on a counterfeit LDO that they fit in there that's much worse than the real one that they put in it six months ago. So now when you connect this power supply, why is this oscillating so bad? The other three that I bought don't do this. It's a fucking mystery box, and you just don't know what you're going to get. And stop calling me racist for when I say Chinese vendors. Mike Chi is my friend. He is Chinese, and he owns AliExpress. So I'm tired <laughs> of you fucking people. So, but that's just the fact of it, Bob. That's that's just the reality. Right. So uh, everything you said is right, and the whole our our whole throwing out the the triads aren't the best is just to appease the actually nerds. Because, yeah, of course, you could spend a lot more money and get a better one. But some context, there's been MD Fourier testing that showed that the triads can perform an inaudible hair better. And it's not that you could hear a difference. It's just more proof that the triads are a safe buy. So that just, you know, we, we throw that disclaimer of it's not the best power supply in there. Because if a power expert is listening, they're going to be like, well, what do you mean? You can get this one for, you know, $75. It's a thousand times better. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. In the context of what we're doing, it falls within the range that we need it to fall into. 
And by the way, for everybody in the chat, we'll take questions later. We're definitely going to talk about internal <clears throat> power supply replacements. Um, you know, keep asking your questions. I'll keep a, a list of them, but everything people have mentioned so far, we're absolutely going to be talking about. And shout out to the super chats. We'll shout you out later too. So, you guys probably know much better than I do. Um, what kind of power filtering was built into these consoles? I, I mean, I don't. I've never really seen a ferrite bead. I mean, you see Nothing. some shitty electrolytics. Very so. little. Very little. Like you know, you like you take um, like the the NES. It's like. Uh, the NES is a rectifier, a filter cap, and that's it. That's it on the output side. And then you have some you have some filtering on the input side, but the output side it's really like. And the rectifier is just for AC to DC conversion. So I mean, it's like, which is great, but there there is not a lot of um, there is not a lot of uh, power smoothing on these old systems. You can get away with that because these linear transformers are very clean to begin with. And so you don't, they didn't have to have that really. So when you stuff a fucking, you know, switch mode system, that's, that's, uh, refreshing at, uh, 50 million zillion Hertz. And you're like, God, why does this audio have this weird pinging? And why does the, why is there like this oscillating sort of like uh, snow over the picture on my super Nintendo? It's a power supply. It's just they're not designed to trap that frequency content to keep it from going into everything. And, you know, it's I, there's a guy on the Internet just a couple of weeks ago. He's like, you know, I um, I'm going to put this uh, I'm going to put one of these uh, power, these PD triggers into my master system. And I'm just going to hook up a, a USB power supply from AliExpress and it works great. I'm like, oh, my God. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. That's bad. You're a bad boy. You're a bad boy and you need spanked. You need spanked. So oh, this, Sorry about that. I, I can speak for the, the Model 1 Genesis. I worked a lot with that. So the, the schematic does call for two ferrite bleeds, and I see them on PCB shots here online. So there are two ferrite bleeds in line with the positive and negative of the incoming power supply. But there's no specs on what... Um, what any of the characteristics of this bead is. So you, you have to assume that it's designed to reject 120 Hertz and low mm -hmm. frequencies. Well, the, the thing too, though, that's, that's interesting, but the model one power supply also has, it has a dedicated, it has a dedicated supply for analog and it has a dedicated supply for digital. It has two 7805s, one for digital that's right. and one for analog too, right? Yeah. Yeah. There are amazing. Two. That's one step better than Nintendo. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sega had beautiful hardware design until they started doing 32X and Saturn. <laughs> oh, here we go. Now, now you're going to get the trolls. God damn it. <laughs> I wanted to come back to something Bob mentioned earlier, though. Context. Um, <clears throat> when I think of, of using uh, third-party power supplies for these systems, I don't think safety as much as uh, how does it affect the outputs of the systems, the audio and the video, right? Are they still as clean? And context is a big is a major factor here if you're playing on an old CRT or if you don't particularly care about the most pristine uh, signal quality coming out of, of that system. If it's not going to affect your experience with that console, then you know those those a cheaper power supply is probably a good option or mm -hmm. a good replacement, right? It's specifically, if you're replacing an old AC uh, adapter, which has you know we're going on 30, 40 year old electrolytic capacitors in there now, right? The, the new cheaper switching power supply might actually be safer. 
Yeah, that's that's a that's a reasonable point. And and w something we didn't touch on too is is we're always talking about how these switch mode power supplies are cheaper, and that's for a very simple reason. It's because the transformers that are used in them are smaller. For the simple reason that as the switching frequency goes up, the size of the required transformer goes down. So it's advantageous for a, a manufacturer to go to a higher switching frequency because that will reduce the cost of the most expensive component in the power supply. So let me ask this then. Let's let's say we get um, a cheaper PSU off of off of eBay, or let's just say somebody buys the the wrong. Rather than go to the affiliate links on RetroArchUV.com, somebody <laughs> buys the wrong triad power supply that's not powerful enough or the voltage is slightly off. I know they don't make an 8 volt, but let's just say 8 volt to 9 volt or something. And it's not, uh, the amperage isn't there. Or or worse, if you get something off of <clears throat> eBay that has a sticker on it that says it's you know 1 amp, but it's actually not. And you have a console with an RGB mod, an HDMI mod, a Bluetooth receiver, you're using a flash cart, you know, whatever else. So now the console is drawing a lot more power than it normally would. What are the, what could actually go wrong with that? Um, now, at the very least, you might get your console just browning out sometimes. But you know, doesn't that damage, potentially damage the power circuit itself? At best, maybe the the voltage regulator, but couldn't it actually start to tax some of the chips on that board because they're not getting as can much I, power? Can I just say something real quick? And this is just a, this is, this is anecdotal, uh, but it's an actual real world use case that I ran to. I had a friend who put a Pico, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the Pico power supplies. It's effectively, um, a Pico power supplies effectively was designed to replace um, ATX systems ATX power supplies that had a very low wattage profile or very a low wattage output for like a so like a microcomputer or something like that and you needed like a five volt and a twelve volt rail and a negative twelve. Anywho, sorry, I was a, just shit on myself. Um, my friend put one of these into an MSX, and the problem is with all all these systems, all these power supplies for the most part, the the Pico power supply is only as good as the 12 volt DC that you give it. So if you use a crappy 12 volt DC power supply, the Pico is just not gonna have good performance at all. That wasn't even the problem. Something happened with his Pico power supply and his Pico power supply shorted. And effectively what happened was somehow, and I looked at it, he sent me pictures, didn't appear to be anything that he did, but um, somehow uh, 12 volts DC managed to energize everything. Oh. And all of the, all the five volt supply, the twelve volt supply, um, um, all of those um, just started outputting twelve, and it just roasted everything. And it's and it. Um, I think what happened was there was a there was a small LDO. There was there was an LDO that failed, and when this LDO failed, the power input pin and the power output pin somehow it fused internally. Mm. Well, Pico PSUs are only as good as 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 good as they're made, and that's why the couple times that I bought them before, I emailed Renee and said, "What Pico PSUs should I be using right now?" And you know, he gave me all the disclaimers and everything. But that's that's a hundred percent true. But I'm just simply talking about a single voltage PSU. So you're plugging something into a Genesis. You you think it's nine volts? You think it's enough amperage? You also plug in your Sega CD and 32X, and it's a crappy one. 
what are the things that could happen other than just quick brownouts or something? Your question is kind of your question is kind of loaded, and I'm going to tell you why. Because in the 21st century, we have these USB PD solutions that out, can output a, a range of voltages and amperages. So the problem with that is, are we talking about are we talking about the power supplies that can negotiate different voltages and amperages, or uh, 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 a different current? Like that have multiple that have are we talking about power supplies that have different voltage and current profiles? Or are we talking about I have a 10 volt switching power supply, single okay. supply, what could happen? So that's fixed the voltage transition into what I want to talk about next. But just for now, let's answer the question as if you bought a single power supply, like a like a triad clone, let's just say, or something, or one of those really junky ones. And I want all of your answers to this because I know for a fact that Mike designed power protection circuitry into things like the Tink 5X because there's been quite a few times where I'm like, did I break my Tink? It's only given a blue screen. Oh, wait, no, I used the wrong power supply. And then I plug it back in and it's fine. So I know you all have some insight into, into this. So let's start with the easier one because it's going to be an easier answer than moving to USB PD. So you've bought that that no name brand power supply from Amazon or eBay. It is a single voltage only. And maybe it's not powerful enough. Maybe under load, it reacts far different. What are the heart, the things that could do harm to your console that are happening other than just brownouts? I'll say this and I'll let everyone else talk. I've seen some of those cheap Chinese power supplies. I'm not even kidding. I don't know what's happened internally, but somehow AC mains goes across it and it's literally got 120 AC coming out of it and you can't even touch it or it'll shock the shit out of you. Like, I, you know, I have seen that happen. You guys can answer. Let Dr. Mike Chi speak. Doctor, please. I mean, Dr. Chi, please. I, I think I think if all we're seeing is a brownout, that's, uh, I mean, that's probably not going to cause any permanent damage or hardware. You could lose some data have a flash drive or something um but the, the real problem is if like what voltar was saying is if um there's a failure where you got the hot side in and you've just zapped, zapped your board and that's very real that's extremely real with these cheaper <clears throat> low qc low quality control power systems that come out of um these markets where the assemblers will buy the cheapest palette of elect of, of components that they can counterfeit or not and they'll use the cheapest materials that they can afford to put them together and then you'll they'll put them on aliexpress that's just guys that's just the way it is and when you have people importing that stuff and putting it in their game shops and selling it to people that i'm you know i'm just saying this is just i'm broadly talking i'm not mentioning anyone i'm just broadly talking here that's where you run into some serious problems here Serious issues, and I think Bob was it Linus was that was it uh, Linus that made that that was it in his his channel where this all kind of started back up again? Didn't he make a mention or something of of using a USB system or yeah, a, uh, we'll, some we'll sort of switch mode next, system? But I don't okay, Renee, I'm sorry, okay. I don't think Renee answered yet with that one. You know, because I I've absolutely seen consoles die after using shitty power supplies, and maybe it is that the AC coupled through and sent it. But I was always under the impression that when, of course, all of the chips have some tolerance to them, but when you're running things at power supplies and, you know, the something kicks in and a chip is trying to draw a certain amount of power and can't, that it could actually damage the chip after long-term use of, of it constantly not getting enough power. 
I'm not I'm not particularly worried about the console if you're using a under spec power supply. I I mean as far as I know older I mean 16-bit and, and prior consoles uh won't won't have any adverse or or uh, long-term damage if you use an under spec supply. What I'm uh, the only thing that could happen like Mike said is if um you're in the middle of some uh backup ram writing right that could potentially be lost right so you could definitely lose, lose data but not anything uh, permanent not any physical damage what i'm worried about if you're using an under spec power supply is its failure modes because if you're trying to pull out more current out of a power supply uh than it can deliver uh it's going to get hot right and and that, i think the question kind of implies if you're using a a cheap under spec power supply, right? So it, it, it probably comes from uh, an uncertified market, right? So it has no failure modes that were tested. If we're talking about, um, like we did earlier, the 60601 standard, you have to prove single points of failure and what the failure modes are within your power supply, right? I've seen, I had a, I had a device, a medical device with a USB port, and I kid you not, the test was we're going to take a flathead screwdriver. And we're going to jam it inside your USB port to short the five volt pins. And we're going to make sure that after 24 hours, your device isn't smoking yet. <laughs> yeah, I believe it 100%. Right? Interesting. So I thought the, you were going to be a little the, more paranoid about that, though. Uh, no, no. Under, under voltage, under current, I'm not specifically worried. I'm just worried about the power supply itself. It's going to get hot. Uh, it might fail in a way that you don't expect. Okay. If it's the triad, if you're using an underspec triad, I'm not worried because it it's been right. tested to failure mode. It'll it'll yeah. shut down, it'll brown out, right? You'll lose your data, and at the end of the day, you'll buy a new one, uh, a stronger one, and you'll be fine. Okay. So I guess now now we should definitely move on to the USB PD stuff. Um, does do one of you want to give like a ten foot overview of what that actually is and why it's different from regular USB? I'll let one of the experts discuss that. Mike, <laughs> Renee, I mean, I, I, I looked, I can say that I looked at the spec and I, I, I knew enough to kind of just take a step back. I mean, I didn't dig very much deep into this because I only need five volts, two amps, but, um, you know, it's, it's not like every other power supply that came before it, where you plug it in and you expect a constant voltage and you can expect up to some <clears throat> up to some limit you can expect to draw some current reliability usb pd if you want to go beyond well, what the standard usb 5 volt um two amp or whatnot if even for two amps you're supposed to add some resistors to the io lines you're supposed to ask and you you can't do it without permissions you've got io and that's complicated and you know it's it, it it's it's complicated to implement and there's a lot of things that could go wrong in the implementation because you've got a lot of different vendors it's the standard's not you know, it, there's there's stuff to it. There's comms. So I, I I'd be if I were the one implementing it, I'd be worried that it's tested correctly and I've done everything correctly. So the short answer is not simple. <laughs> if if I'm designing a, a circuit to use one of these supplies, and again, I'm not particularly familiar with the specification, but let's let's assume that the highest voltage you can request, you can request is 12 volts. Even if my circuit is designed to ask, let's say, for 9 volts, I'm going to design and take into consideration, I might fuck up and get 12 volts here. So let's let's design for that. And I'm sure that not everyone does this. They don't. Right. As yeah, a matter and, of fact, and what if the other side is fucked up? 
I think you guys are what, yeah. the, the basics here. USB PD, USB power delivery. It could have multiple voltage outputs, right? Not just five volts, correct? <laughs> so what, what 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 USB power delivery is effectively? It's a means that will satisfy the charging profiles of a list of different uh, devices, <laughs> uh, so that they can have the fastest charging uh, system that's optimal to them. So my phone may charge at twelve volts at um fifth uh, at, at at three amps you may have a phone that only charges like it was seven watts for example do the conversion there for the amps and the voltage so this is just a way it's a it's a codified standard that allows all these different devices to charge in the most optimal way possible so that it can negotiate that and pick the mode that's most effective or efficient for it and what's happened is it's sort of being taken over it seems by um, a couple of different from from a few different uh, vendors that I've seen, and they're trying to they're trying well, to well, stuff hold on this a in. Y'all are going too quick. This is why I'm here. You smart fuckers. God, Bob, we're not all. Uh, dial it back. Dial it back. Fuck. So USB PD is a device that can use a standard USB cable if you want, but the logic inside of that is supposed to talk to it and say, "Hey, this thing that you're plugging it into needs nine volts, two amps." Or this thing that you're plugging the same yeah. power supply into needs 5 volts, 1 amp, or I think all the way up to 48 volts, right? So USB PD is not just the power side. There's communication that tells it what to send, and you need the, trigger. the power brick, the trigger, and you need the power brick to be able... You can't just use a USB power brick. You need one that's specifically rated for this, Correct. This is current sensing, voltage sensing technology. So there's a negotiation that takes place. It's kind of like E did, okay? So you've got uh, you've got standards that are available. You know the standards that are available coming from the power supply, the sink, or the device that you're connecting it to. It sends back. This is what I'm capable of doing. I can do eight volts, nine volts, or let's just say twelve volts. And then they pick the highest one, and that's how that works. And it's been kind of a nightmare for a lot of the Chinese uh, products that come from AliExpress. I'll just give a quick example. There was an aftermarket. It was a really nice dock for the uh, Nintendo Switch that was available two years ago, I think. I can't remember. It might have been three years ago. But at any rate, the triggering mechanism, the sensing mechanism, wasn't the firmware wasn't configured properly. So this dock was being connected to switches. And it was popping Nintendo Switches. It was bricking Nintendo Switches. And people were having to take the power negotiation chip, um, the power delivery chip, off of the Switch, hot airing that off and replacing it because the PD stuff in this aftermarket, excuse me, third-party product wasn't done appropriately. So that's a very large use case or example of... Sorry, of what could go wrong? I'm sorry, I'm choking on this. Yeah, this, this goes back. This goes back to what I said. So I, I was looking up, and you can you can request up to 240 watts on USB PD, up to 48 volts. So you can figure out what that what the current is in all the um, in between steps. But uh, yeah, so mm -hmm. if if your device is expecting five, and either the USB PD device. Uh, fucks up and sends you the maximum or something goes wrong during the communications and you get higher than you expected if your end device is not designed to tolerate that then you know you're definitely into untested territory and what happens if you just plug a standard iphone charger into something that's expecting usb pd it should just if, not work right 
if you have sure. a, <laughs> it, it should send you, it, it, if it's respecting the spec properly, it should give you 100 millivolts and 5 volts. 100 exactly. milliamps and 5 volts. That's called limp mode. That's called limp mode. And every yeah. device is supposed to support that. Yeah. For example, so if, I charge, if I plug in, a, you know, a crappy iPhone charger into my into my laptop that charges the USB-C, it'll charge. Um, it'll still work. So, you know, that that's designed in. But, you know, if you, you're trying to retrofit a console that needs 20 watts, right, and you plug in a USB, uh, an iPhone charger that puts out 500 milliwatts, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, exactly. Because the, the main device itself, the console in this case, wasn't designed to um, to operate with with uh, with such little power. Now, ideally, and I, I don't know, I could be talking about ass, but ideally, the the, the USB PD retrofit device would just not power the console. Um, I don't know if that's the case. Because I mean, yeah, this, I this wonder... conversation all started in the mainstream, and I, I you know, I'm not. Throwing shade, uh, Linus has always been very nice to me, but the Linus Tech Tips video about using USB. And I, I didn't watch the video because I was just afraid I'd get really mad and I would have to email him and be like, dude. But the thing that, the, and basically, in order to to do what they were talking about and to do what, what else is out there for retro, let's make sure that we're, we're talking about analog video consoles. We'll get to the digital ones next because I think that's a wildly different conversation in a good way. But for the analog stuff, Super Nintendo, Nintendo, Genesis, Saturn, whatever, um, you need to build a circuit that interfaces with the barrel connector. And on the input side is USB-C, which, yes, I know USB-PD is supposed to be USB-C, but there's nothing stopping somebody from putting another connector on it. That's and right. Yeah. So that whole premise is that if you use a, a well-specced, not just junk clone power supply, but a branded one that has its certifications and its proper power, uh, power ratings on there, and you plug it into this circuit and then plug that circuit into your console, theoretically, it should work absolutely perfectly negotiating the proper voltage and amperage, correct? That's right. That's right. And mm -hmm. even though it's a switch mode style power supply, much like the triads, as long as every piece in the chain is built correctly, it should be... 100% safe to use, right? Absolutely. Now, what happens if the circuit is built crappy? You know, your little adapter from USB to console. And once again, what happens if um, I have two iPhone chargers, one of the newer ones and one of the older ones that look the same, and I grab the older one that's only 5 volts, 1 amp or something, and not the 9 volts that I needed. So that's that was always my concern, and that's... Well, I think I know the answer. I'd really rather hear you all explain what if the circuit's bad and what if the power circuit is great, but the power supply you use is the wrong one. What happens when you plug in a RetroTINK 4K into a 1080p monitor? Nothing. You just turn it down. 1080p. That's exactly what's supposed to happen with uh, the power delivery stuff. If it can't negotiate and if it's unable to reconcile on both ends, like a common a commonality then it's supposed to go into what Renee was talking about, Mike was talking about, it's called a limp mode. So you've got a couple hundred milliamps or a hundred milliamps at, at, with that five volt supply. That's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to default to sort of the lowest common denominator and that's it. Okay. That's what it's supposed to do. It should, it should stay there. I, I, I don't think all of them start at a hundred milliamps, not everything that has USB on it. 
Well, this is the problem with a lot. So this is really interesting. And back to the Nintendo Switch, the the PD stuff has caused a tremendous amount of trouble with those aftermarket Switch power supplies, and more importantly, the aftermarket Switch, um, the Switch uh, charging docks, and just the docks themselves. And there was a comp. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was Consumer Electronics or it was. An, it was one of these reviewers, kind of like a kind of like a digital foundry of like not video but electrical stuff and electronics. And they actually looked at like the current profile and the voltage profile and how quickly, how quickly, if how quickly the voltage profile would change. And the problem was, if I remember correctly, the switch dock, let's say that wanted, these are arbitrary numbers. Let's say that it wanted eight volts, right? The, uh, the, the, the power delivery, the, the chip, the trigger, it would initially send 12, it would initially send like 12 volts for like, Two or three hundred nanoseconds, which is a lifetime in this instance, before it would negotiate down back to nine volts. And it was just that short little transient period of getting twelve volts. That's what was popping the chips in the Nintendo Switches because it just it 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 shouldn't have sent any voltage to begin with. It should have checked first, and then it should have then negotiated something on both ends. But it didn't. It sent like its full swing, and it's like, oh wait, we can't do that. Here, go back down to nine, and that's what was killing the Nintendo Switches. The numbers, I mean, the numbers are arbitrary, but that's exactly the phenomena that was happening. And I mean, they sold probably a hundred. Well, they probably sold fifty thousand of those, and it caused a huge problem, a huge problem for switch owners. So, it happens on a very large scale. That happens. Yeah, it happens. The, the, so the main difference we'll have here with with older consoles, if you're using USB PD, is. Uh, <clears throat> I don't. I don't think much uses unregulated power in older consoles, right? Most of your draw is coming after the the 7805 and and maybe 3.3 volt if we're going up to Nintendo 64, right? Mm-hmm. So you might have a bit more tolerance in an older system for a, a short voltage spike like that if it were to happen. Somebody I mean, asks in chat. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry, Bob. Go ahead. No, I just I think that's the easiest way for even a basic layman to visualize this. The negotiation that when you plug this stuff in says, hey, uh, Super Nintendo needs nine volts, half an amp. By the time it says, okay, I'll switch to that, it's already sent the wrong voltage, either as a result of buying a cheap, unbranded, crappy USB PD supply or a badly made circuit. Somebody in the chat also made a joke about uh, if the Arduino uh, script isn't written properly and it you know it sends voltage before it changes. Like, it's a funny joke, but it's completely relevant. If if I, who am not an expert, tries to make one of these myself, that's probably what would happen. So that's you know that's a that's a valid point. It's also a good point to mention that these are probably using uh, Arduino, which has you know tons of startup scripts before you reach your your main function, right? So you might have uh, some time there. Yeah, you might sorry. have milliseconds before you. I'm a running. bit behind the curve. What what does an Arduino have to do with this? Are these run by Arduinos? Yeah, All someone in the things. chat said. Yeah, someone in the chat mentioned that they were the cables are run by AT Tinies. So oh, I can only, Yeah, so I can only guess that th- there's got to be some percentage of these things that are running just Arduino code because it's so much easier for people to get started. Oh God, that's so that's so time sensitive. You think they would do that in assembly or something like on those chips rather than having a bunch of libraries that has to load up first before nobody's cons- writing in assembly. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, 
Yeah, that's kind of freaky to think about that. Um, and I think, you know, when right? we were having does, this... Does that, sorry, does that time matter? I mean, it could. It, I mean, I'd have to test and, and try it out, right? I'm not particularly worried about shorter spikes on older systems than I am on newer ones. I'm definitely worried about a spike on, on a Switch because I'm sure there are at least some components in that circuit that are using the input voltage as is. So this is or, the or very close to as is. Yeah, yeah. So we, we were just talking. So basically, the the sending the wrong voltage for a short period of time, milliseconds, may actually not kill um, retro consoles. Maybe it will. I certainly wouldn't want to take that risk. But what about when we switch to more modern consoles? Like, let's say you buy one of those replacements for a Switch, a Wii U, anything like that. Like, what what happens then? How is that different? I mean, you say, listen, okay, we have a couple of different, we have a couple of different uh, families of logic that we evolved through between the NES and the Super Nintendo and, yeah, I guess the Atari NES and Super Nintendo and PlayStation. We went from a TTL family, and then when we get closer to the PlayStation era, we get into a CMOS family. Now, CMOS stuff, you can reverse bias. In other words, you can switch the negative and positive, and, and most of the time, it'll survive that if you invert the supplies for a small period of time. But like, if you overvolt a lot of that old TTL stuff, it's going to pop. Like the NES PPU, it don't care. If you if you give it more than what it's if you give it more than what it needs, you're going to kill chips. The Super Nintendo, if you even look, if you even look at the PPU too long, the motherfucker is going to die. I have the proof and I have the data. I have the motherfucking documents. <laughs> so no, there is no. As far as I'm concerned, Bob, there is no time budget. There's no. There is no budget for time to where you can overvolt these things. Because they are super, super sensitive, and they are prone to poppage. That's just that's just that's just how that, it goes. That is what my gut yeah. told me, but I just I wanted the smarter people to confirm. So, Renee, take it away. Yeah, but I'm I'm being the devil's advocate here because you before you can overvolt the PPU, before you can overvolt any component in there, you've got to charge the input capacitors. You've got to get over the seventy eight oh five. Right? I think you've got a budget of time. I think okay, you've so got let's say a you've lot got, of tolerance in there. Well, let's well, okay, but hold on. Let's say that you've got let's say you've got a 25 volt. Let's say that you've got a 25 volt. Well, it doesn't really matter what the input voltage is unless you're 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 popping uh um the uh the input diodes, right? Well, no, what, but what, what, I, what's going to what's going to matter is is how fast you're delivering current, how fast you're charging those capacitors, how how much faster you can bring up the voltage at the input of the 7805. Right, but right with the seventy eight hundred five in place. But let's remember, if you guys remember the high def NES kit, a significant amount of those kits were being popped because the power input. Oh my God! Sorry, guys. Come here, you son. Beautiful cat. If you remember the high def NES kit, this the high def NES kit had its own power system, and it was replacing the seventy eight hundred five. Well. A lot of the a lot of those high def NES kits were dying. Not just a few of them, a lot of them were dying. And it turns out that the power input wasn't ready for the inrush current and the voltage jump on these capacitors, on this big capacitor, pretend this is an NES, when you debounce the power button and you turn the power on, it would pop 
Sometimes it would pop the power regulator on the high def NES, but more often than not, it would pop every PPU and CPU like that because of that problem. So, I mean, Jeez. if the 7805 is in place, you've got some protection there. But the problem is they're not keeping that 7805 in there. And they're often those shot key diodes that are on the inputs of that thing. Those things are not, those things are also going to be circumvented. So if it's anything like the high def NES and they're, 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 Pushing, they're they're overstepping that to begin with. I think you've got a serious problem. I think that's. I mean, I think that. I don't know. I don't know. Now you could be right. You know, by the but by the time you know the, the if you've got capacitors and everything that have to be energized, that modifies the ready state of how quickly the system would be energized to that voltage potential. But ultimately, I don't think. I think it would be bad news. I yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I I'm not. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that this is a safety feature, right? I'm just saying. This might this might help save you. It may from save it. Short it transients, might. right? Right. Yeah, you, awesome. you're making yeah. it seem you like right. we're not um, fear mongering power supplies. Renee, it's just like <laughs> you know, getting some getting some logic into this. But I think that all of the um, all of the concerns are very real. It just might not be. You could plug you could plug this in and turn on your console a hundred times, and ninety nine, it might be totally fine. But I don't. I mean. I have a very biased opinion because the the small company I worked for making those medical grade computers, one of the issues that we had is we had power supplies made perfectly to spec. They sent us the first run of a hundred. We tested them. They were great. And they said it was the first run out of a 5,000 run. They didn't tell us it was a separate run. They said, they basically said, we're starting the 5,000. Here's the first hundred. We'll airship those. The other, you know, 4,900 and change will boat ship to save money. We, so we assumed there was the same run because that's what they told us. And then we had to mm -hmm. recall like a thousand computers. And some of them were with companies that we had deals cut. So we actually had to go out there and replace the power supplies ourselves. It cost the company like $100,000 because they did that. They switched the, sorry, I missed that point. They switched the components in the big run and sent us the one with the good components. And we were getting dropouts. And I don't think it killed any of the motherboards. But we did have some weird issues with it. It was still back in the day of mechanical spinning hard drives. That was definitely the best uh, bang for the buck at the moment. And we had a couple of hard drives randomly die too. So it just, to me, that was way too much of a coincidence. We, we I think we sold like 20,000 of that model. And the only time we had hardware failures in the first week was with the ones that shipped with that PSU. So I'm very biased in my um, my distrust of power because I've lived mm -hmm. it. I, I had to run a team that went and changed those out because of things like this. So I appreciate you bringing me down to earth, Renee, but I do think my, my fear is at least justified. All right. So are we done with USB PD? Do we want to move on to Mike's barrel jack rant? Because I feel like he's got well, a bottle. I just up. have one. <laughs> I have one. I just have one question about the pd i mean are do these devices have any sort of sanity check for example they'll wait until they a have confirmation that the um that the supply can they've negotiated successfully negotiated the the supply and the current the voltage and the current and two they're actually that they're actually receiving the correct voltage before powering the console or is it just kind of shoot from the hip uh, see the thing is so what i've understood when i when i was looking at this stuff w w with the switch docks is that a lot of people are faking 
a lot of people are designing things that fake this power delivery negotiation and that doesn't have all the sanity checks and it doesn't have all the safety redundancy. And that's how that that's how that doc got into the trouble that it got into uh, pop and uh, pop and switches. And also from my understanding, which I'm kind of ignorant about this, so forgive me, but there is not like a codified industry standard that everybody follows. When it comes to the power delivery stuff, they're supposed to be, but it seems that everybody does it a little bit differently because some devices that are PD friendly on the left side aren't necessarily uh, compatible with devices that are PD friendly on the on the other side. So it's the Wild West, and that's why I don't think that this power delivery stuff should be anywhere currently in its current incarnation. I don't think it should be anywhere near a retro video game system, So, so uh, I'm not... So I'm guilty of not reading the USB PD spec, but a quick Google search reveals that there are documents on USB.org outlining what the USB PD spec is. So you could be wrong about that. It it seems like there is a specification that you're supposed to follow. Supposed to, right? No, there is. There is. There is. But the problem is the problem is that clearly for whatever reason, all of these various vendors, they don't none of them honor it to the same degree. And that's why Evidently, there are you see a lot of these unique corner cases where compatibility with device A isn't seamless with uh, uh, you know um, product B over here. I've I've read a lot about that. I don't know why. I'm just that's just anecdotal from my point. This comes back to one of the first things we said, right? If if you have a device whose supply chain traces back supply chain traces back to North America, chances are they they've been uh, taken through regulatory approvals. It means that if they have a USB logo on it. it means they were tested to the USB spec. So those are probably fine, right? If your supply chain is outside of North America, then you 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 know that's the Wild West. That's right. That's right. That's a that's a that's a more accurate way of putting that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. And when I say North America, I include Europe in there, but they're not as important. <laughs> no, Europe, Europe is worthless, and PAL sucks. I'm just going to tell you. Okay, I, I, that makes sense. So you you all wouldn't use USB PD for modern or retro unless you knew for a fact that the power supply and the circuit on the console end was designed to spec. Let me put it to you this way. If I'm looking on your product page and I see that you have a PD power supply that you're selling to, be, to <clears throat> retrofit a, a classic console... I'm going to go to AliExpress, and if I see the same power supply that you're selling listed mm-hmm. anywhere on those markets, contact us not- for custom logos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Custom <laughs> logos notwithstanding, Bob, you could not pay me enough money to put that into any system that I actually care about. There's no way. Right. No way. I do have right? to that, throw a quick the- disclaimer out, though. We always talk about AliExpress and eBay. Just because it's on those stores doesn't mean it's junk, but exactly like eBay. You could have an eBay seller that sells good stuff, or you could have eBay sellers that use phone cable to do RGB mods and glue it all together. And You know, that's a true story from back in well, the day. It's, but. it's just like Renee said. It's just the Wild West. It doesn't mean that it's all bad, but the problem is, is a lot know? of it's unsanctioned and unregulated, and you've got to be a smart consumer, and that's yeah. the point. We're talking about an unregulated niche market here, right? Retro gaming. That's right. The, That's yeah. Right. Like, like Mike, did you get your RetroTink 4K regulatory approved before you sold it? Uh, no comment. <laughs> we didn't talk about that. <laughs> right, right. So, and and none of the shit that I ever sold, right? 
I, I knew very well that if I was shipping uh, like a Genesis cartridge with the secondary lithium battery in there, I was not supposed to ship it unless it has the UN, what is it, like 3849, yep. I think, the dangerous batteries, whatever it is, right? But I did it anyways, right? So I'm guilty. Our, the market we're talking about is one that you will never find a tested device, right? right? Unless Unless you're talking about the major players, right? Maybe... Maybe like a, a Hyperkin device was actually regulatory tested. I'm not saying that it was good, but Absolutely it passed regulations. Not. There's right? no way that would ever happen. There's no way Hyperkin would ever do anything right? like that. I'm but, just but that's you. that's only this that's that's the scale you're gonna need to be at for it to be worthwhile to bring it to regulatory testing before right. you sell it. Yeah, you'd have to have significant volume and yeah, the, these small mom and pop shops that sell a lot of these, like you said, a lot of these niche things, they're not gonna go through all the quantifying to Make any no. of those determinations, and and neither should they, right? But I mean, it's it's the onus is on everyone in the community to to be careful about what it is that they're buying. Some but, of this know, stuff when, could when be very well tested. Gatekeepers, I often get offended because we are the first to welcome good people with good ideas. But this type of shit, yeah, we are gatekeepers, and we should be. We should be the ones saying, don't buy unregulated crap unless it's been vetted by a group of people that know what they're doing. Because you can't expect a, a mom and pop shop, a small group of people, a single developer to spend tens of thousands of dollars on certification that they're not going to make back in the 500 to 1,000 they'll sell. That's not fair at all. But how do you know it's junk or not? And it's just one of those I'll things where, you know, you got to know who you're getting it from. They have to have a good yeah. reputation, et cetera. <clears throat> Underwriters I'll, I'll, Laboratory is the gatekeeper for devices that are sold on the U.S. market, right? Yes. I just want to say this real quick, and I want to I want to explain to you, Bob, and I'm sure you probably already know this, but I want to explain to the audience where a lot of those gatekeeping comments come from, and I'll try to be very brief about this. I need like 30 seconds. So unfortunately, in this world, a lot of what you guys in chat don't see is the business on the back end. And the fact of the matter is there's a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of money to be made by what I would call C-tier modders. Mm -hmm. They don't care if it's good. They don't care if it's bad. They just want somebody to send that Super Nintendo to them so they can charge $120 to install whatever shitty mod is being sold. And so when they hear people be honest, or at least when they hear people like me or Bob or Renee or Mike try to be a voice of reason to protect you from a very, very possibly bad choice, they're going to call us gatekeepers and they're going to say all sorts of unscrupulous uh, unbecoming things about us as if we're trying to control certain markets. They'll call us, for example, if you, they'll call us, we'll be a part of the Mars Brigade or something like that, something absolutely erroneous and just ridiculous. And it's just because it's about money. So if you see that stuff, you, you've, you've clearly heard what we said. We're welcoming of anybody and we're welcoming me of any, we're welcoming to any good product. But clearly we're going to have a very vigorous opinions about something that could be dangerous to you, to your family, or that could just not be a good performer. So when you hear a gatekeeper, just remember, typically it's somebody who has a few bucks on the table and they want to make their money installing their crappy mods. That's all I'm going to say. Look, I don't want to go off on too much of a rant about this. Everything you said was right except for one thing. Um, it's yeah. usually people who are who are the I'm awesome type. What do you mean my mod's bad? I'm awesome. And they can't ever really take feedback because their tiny little brains might explode if they realized not only are they not awesome at this, they're actually not awesome at all. They're kind of just horrible people. So what you get is the doubling down and the the 
that's when they start spitting this stuff out. And, it, you know, people hate when we talk about negativity, but unfortunately, how else should you know the difference? And I, I mean this respectfully. If you have a confident person that sounds like they really know what they're talking about and rattles off specs that you don't know anything about, why shouldn't you believe them? And that's when it takes people who don't have that, you know, don't live in that don't give a fuck world that could just say, no, they're full of shit. Here's why. I don't care if I get trolled for this. That's not the person to listen to. So that's why it comes out so harsh sometimes because the people that think they're awesome do so much damage. And it's, it's, what's the choice do do we say nothing yeah. and just let people kill their consoles and buy garbage or do we stand up at risk of them attacking us and that's why that's why we get so much shit for talking about this stuff um, imagine what would i'm not going to stay on this i just want to say this just i just want to say this imagine what would have happened if we were quiet and we didn't counsel people in the way that we thought we should have when the SIO stuff started clicking off years ago and we recognized that this thing was on a trajectory to go straight to the earth. You and I, Bob, were called uh, the, the leaders of the good old boys club, <laughs> that we gate that we gatekeep these markets, that we have these uh, sycophants that follow us and just listen to us. And just they, it's all about confirmation bias. Like, and I, I don't want to get into it, but it's just there's a lot of things that people just don't see that they were really attacked in a lot of ways behind the scenes because we're affecting their bottom line because they want to they want to they want to be a modder they want to be like me yeah. well you can't be like me because I'm the yeah. fucking best <laughs> the, the, the other thing too is this is how the real world works right I mean if if you work in the scientific field you're going to write a paper and then your peers will shred it to pieces right in order for you to make it better right. And yeah. hopefully it's somebody that wants you to be wrong because then they're going to be motivated to find whatever yeah. little what, whatever little error that you have. And that's how that's how science is done. Like, and, and that's just, just how it works. Not just science. too. I mean, three years ago, I, I changed jobs. I'm working in, in software development now. Right. We do this to juniors all the time. Right. They write a whole bunch of code and then we pound them and we shit on them for a whole, you know, three hour code review so that they don't put out garbage code. Right. And, you know, after many poundings, the juniors put out good code. So we, there, there needs to be uh, – there's gatekeeping everywhere else in the goddamn real world. Will, right? so, will somebody clip up. that, please? After many poundings, the junior put out – just, just yeah. send that to Renee. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right? If you hire a plumber and he does a shit job, you're going to tell everyone about it because yeah. you don't want that shit job to show up in your friend's house. And on the flip side, yeah. I love it when my friends or, or people who, in a respectful way, teach me how to be better. I, the only reason I'm standing here right now talking to you three awesome people is because I keep trying to get better every time. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I take it seriously. I like it. So it's, it's you know, it, you know, sometimes people we all know people who just aren't really good at their delivery and they are actually trying to help, but they're just douchebags about it. I try to be very patient with those people because they, there are so many good people out there trying to help that are just bad. You at mean extremes? I want to respond ask for the past six months. I love extremes. <laughs> How disappointing would it be if you asked him a question and he was like, it's fine. Like, no, 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 it's not that we ask <laughs> you questions. <laughs> so. I, I want to respond to a comment I just saw go by someone saying there there aren't regulations as far as I know, just some people claiming to know more on YouTube. I'm not claiming to know more. Who said that? Else. Who said that? Yeah. Who was the little bitch that said that? <laughs> Let me find him. Let me find this little 
basement dweller. Where is he? What's his right. name? I, I'm not claiming to know more than, than, than Mike or Volta. I'm definitely claiming to know more than Bob, but that's a whole different story. Um, um, what I do claim to do is if I'm going to say something, I mean, backed up by either a lot of experience or a lot of data, right? I'm not going to make shit up. In fact, I, I really disagree with that. In fact, I think we're claiming to know very little about how to design power supplies, and that's why you should buy one from a triad from someone who does know what they're doing. Exactly. I have no idea what I'm doing. That just shows how my – that just shows – I just want to say something right now, and I want to be very clear about this. Oh boy. What Mike just said, that just shows you how greedy he is about <laughs> monopolizing this conversation, and it just shows you that he's not in this for the community. That's all I have to say. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's change let's change course. There's two things that we have to talk about before we go, and there's also a few things that are written down that people had asked in the chat that I thought would be good to discuss too. But first and foremost, barrel jacks and internal power supply replacements for PlayStation One, Xbox, all that stuff. Mike called out barrel jacks before, so let's do that first, and then we'll go to the internal power supplies. I'm getting more beer. Yep. I okay. Can I can I tell you? Uh, I'll talk about internal power supplies. Let's talk about the PlayStation 2 and let's talk about the Dreamcast. We're just going to caught we're just going to codify PS1, PS2 and Dreamcast. Okay. Murata or Mitsumi, these companies were paid millions of dollars to design these switch mode power supplies 20 25 years ago. They did a great job. Service them, recap them. They'll last you for as long as you're probably going to draw breath. Don't put some stupid ass um, 12 volt DC jack on the back of it. Just don't do that. Well, if you do that, let me hold on. Now, okay, let me finish. Okay. You, you fuck. Let me I finish mean, this. I disagree. You diabetic douchebag. Just stop this. I'm just kidding. He's not diabetic yet, but he will be. Um, where it makes sense, in my opinion, to replace the factory equipment power supply in a PS2, PS1 Dreamcast. If you're in PAL territory and you need to go from 240 volt mains to 120 volt mains, that makes perfect sense to me. If you're in an area where you're worried about heat, okay, that makes sense to me too because some people literally live in ovens. <laughs> but just people uh, – I, I feel like – okay, I just want to say this and I'll be done. I feel like we've gotten to this point to where people are becoming bored and they're just looking for more shit to do to their systems. These, these power supplies were professionally engineered by people that are probably smarter than everyone here combined. And I'm just saying, that's no offense to anyone, I'm just telling you, there's a reason they were paid a fortune. So unless you have a significant use case, there is no reason for somebody to just blindly, unless you live in PAL territory, like I said, there's no, you, there's no real utility for just blindly throwing out a perfectly reasonably, perf a well-balanced and designed power supply for something that somebody made on the internet. That's it my opinion. Me of car modding, of people like replacing the, the springs or some stupid shit that an engineer at Toyota spent, who's actually qualified to do it, spent a long time designing, and then they buy some shit on the internet and their car is supposed to be better. Yeah. Or it yeah. runs faster for 10,000 miles and then things start to break on it because it wasn't regulated to do that. I, I think I, I think there's utility for those power supply mods, but 98% of the people, there is no – there for them and their use cases, there's no reason for them to be doing that. So That's I, I agree 99% of what you said. So yes, if you have an original power supply, replace the capacitors because they're definitely going to die at some point, you know, and you should be good from there. However, there, you missed another very valid use case is there's a couple of uh, – of, 
mods out there that allow you to keep optical drives at an optical drive emulator, but you need to use the power supply spot to put the ODE there. So you essentially need this power supply replacement along with it. And I think that's something that's a very valid mod. That in the, the multiple region power supply as well. Um, so let's just say... Can I ask you... What, what, hold on. What, what, I'm, I'm really curious. I didn't know about this. What ODEs out there that lives in the power supply cavity? I didn't know that. Uh, it's There are some being worked on, and I believe the one for the PlayStation 1 that I don't know if it was ever released was meant to be you put the X station there, and there's like a power supply, a custom mount for the X station, and that allows you to retain the original power supply. But I think that's okay. one of the projects that the part shortage killed. So the, the person went through all the trouble to design it, bent over backwards to not do a crap power supply design, and then they couldn't get the parts anymore. So I don't know if it was ever released, but that is a very, very valid use case yeah, for this. That's a that's a very that's a very unique corner case, but unfortunately, that doesn't satisfy the ninety-nine percent of people who are doing this that just have You're no right. real reason to be I'm doing it. I'm just saying in the in the case of I, I definitely need to replace my power supply regions, whatever else. Let's mm -hmm. talk about that. Um, are there ones out there that are good? How do you know the difference? And the one thing that's the no brainer that I'll just say, I don't care if you have the most perfectly built internal power supply. If it requires a brick and you buy a shit brick, then you're going to kill your console anyway. Mm -hmm. So make sure you that's have right. a good DC or AC to DC. But uh, assuming that everybody understands that on the internal <clears throat> side of things, where are we at with that? Are there good replacements? Are there things to look out for, et cetera? So um, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with this in, in the sense that uh, why are people replacing their internal power supplies or have they failed or no, let's just say for the sake of argument that they need to replace them, whatever the reason is, right? Multiple regions, you're buying a, a PAL console that you want to use in the US, well, whatever, right? Let's just say for the sake of argument that it's a very good reason to remove the original internal power supply. Just for the sake of argument, where do we go from here? Entertain my thought for a while. The, the first place my brain went when you mentioned when you mentioned this is, okay, so I'm thinking, why is the power supply disconnectable and interchangeable internally? And my first thought is, okay, maybe different uh, regions, right? One. 120 AC compared to 240, uh, maybe also ease of uh, regulatory testing, right? The the thing that's the hardest to get correctly is the power supply, even though that's probably the smallest circuit in there, right? So they probably want to be able to test a whole different version, uh, a whole different kinds of, uh, of power supplies within their regulatory testing. They can swap them out very easily, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm afraid that, that people are opening their consoles seeing a modular, very disconnectable power supply and seeing that as an invitation to change it. As Mike mentioned, the, the springs in their cars earlier, right? You're not going to do a better job than the, the original engineers. Or, or there's very little chance that you will do a better job than the original engineers. Yeah. I just, um, let's just say for sake of argument too, because somebody mentioned the Dreamcast power supply. I think just adding the resistor in there, if you're using an ODE is all that you need to prevent the overheating. So, but let's just say for sake of argument, there's a valid reason for replacing it. That's where there are so many people confused on where to go. And I never have good advice because the people I know that went through the trouble to create, like uh, Christoph did a great Dreamcast internal Pico PSU. Once again, provided you have a good brick on the outside and that one was well built. It works fine. So are there stuff out there that, that, that is actually known to be good? Is it once again, the wild west where you never really know, or what are, you, what are your all thoughts on that? 
when I see one of those internal power supply replacements and I see that it has two or three LDOs, those are low dropout regulators to convert voltage sources to a different voltage uh, voltage level. I see two or three of those and I see a couple of caps. It's time to pack it in because I'm sorry, you can't satisfactorily build a reasonable power supply with these DC supplies coming off there with a couple of LDOs and maybe one or two caps on each of the supply lines. There's a reason. You know, this technology is not that old. There's a reason why these power supplies by Murata and by Mitsumi, that they have several caps, several diodes, several transformers, several uh, uh, variable resistors. There's a reason why they're designed this way. And it's not just because they're old. It's because there are a lot of sensible... What were we? What were, how did we say this earlier? Um, uh, there's there's a lot of sanity circuitry in these very well designed power supplies that you just don't see. Sure, it may be just as efficient and it may look just as well, but how about safety? Is it ready? Does it is it ready uh, to? Exp- is it equipped? Is this power supply designed and equipped to experience a failure that won't be catastrophic? In other words, you don't have a component that's going to source or sink a bunch of current, get super hot, and melt your house. Like those are super important things. Everyone, let me just say this: everybody is so focused on performance when what they should really be thinking about is safety and hazards and what is safe and what is acceptable and what isn't. I don't care how well it performs. I want to know how safe it is. And that's what's missing. And that's where people aren't qualified, as far as I'm concerned. And I say that as an unqualified person when it comes to power power system design. That's Renee's thing. That's what he does professionally. That's not – I don't have anything – I'm not – I am just a pundit. I'm, I'm on the dark side now. I write software for a living. So, <laughs> so you, uh, I, you're I, all I'm very just... scared. You're all just used. But you guys, are, <laughs> but you guys, are, no, no but, answer. But do you, but do you guys agree with what I'm saying, or do you think that's? Yeah. I mean, don't you think uh, safety has sort of become a second class citizen to how well it works? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly I, I, the point of say. regulatory safety. It's not performance. They don't care if your device works or not. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, look at the ripple content. It's very low. And look at the frequency content. It's just being totally cut out. They've got really good chokes and filters on this power supply. Great. What happens if that what happens if that 12 volt rail just uh, just bottoms out and just shorts to ground? What happens after five seconds? What happens after 20 seconds? Does it heat up? Does it conduct across? Does it catch fire? Guys, it's not a joke, and it's not something that you can just design as a hobbyist in your garage. Like these are real safety concerns, and they really need to be taken seriously. And that's the whole point of this. It's not to say, look at this power supply; it's a piece of shit. Look at the lines in your Super Nintendo; yeah, those are problems. But the real problem is your family's safety and your safety in your house or wherever you wherever you are using this stuff and leaving it unattended. Because I do think people forget that when you have the internal power supplies, there's always AC going to them, always. Like, uh, yes. I, I had forgotten, like I walked over to a PlayStation one that was off, but plugged in and I picked it up and the case was warm and I went, what the hell? And that's, I remembered the power supply is always on. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't left it plugged in for a long time. That's also one of the many reasons my whole setup back there, everything is on uh, power strips and every, the power strips are off and less in use just cause <laughs> just for both sides of that, just in case I have a crappy power mod and also just, uh, one slightly less chance if something happens to my power that it's not going to kill the you know, so this is this is getting very very off topic, but uh, speaking from experience. So even if you have disconnected the AC from all of the whatever it is equipment that you think you are protecting when you're disconnecting the AC, 
a lightning strike near your house will definitely jump, you know, the millimeters between the two contacts in that switch and totally fry oh, your yeah. stuff. Yes. It'll arc across. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, disconnecting it, sure. It protects it against a lot of things, but not against power surges from the AC side. Absolutely. Not against reasonable power fire. surges. The, the analogy yeah. I always use is if lightning strikes that wall back there, I'm, I'm screwed no matter what, but if lightning strikes down yeah. the street, and I get a little bit of a surge, having that power strip off will absolutely isolate within reason. A little bit. You might you might be fine. Yeah. I mean you, you you put it into context. I mean the, the dielectric of the air between the clouds and the and the ground has broken down, so it doesn't care about that remaining, you know, right. two millimeter gap in your switch. <laughs> this is a this is a this is a um this is the contention of safety versus like, you know, how, how clean is the power? Let's assume that this is a launch model. Let's, let's assume that this is a launch model Xbox. This power supply is very well designed. But unfortunately, one of the problems that it had was that the um, IEC input, I can't remember what this, I don't think this is an IEC. I can't remember what this, what this is called. But nonetheless, this interface, this connector, the way it was soldered, um, when you would cycle a power cable in and out of it, when you would cycle it in and out, the solder would crack, and the solder would the, the solder would dislodge. And so, what would happen is you would have a little separation, and the AC mains would arc across, and it absolutely started fires, and it was absolutely a safety hazard. Do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what Microsoft did for the people who bought a launch system like this? They sent out a GFI, that's a ground fault interrupter breaker, so that you could plug that in circuit. So what you had is you've got your power input, you've got your power input right here, it just plugs in, and it's just a GFCI breaker, it's just a GFI breaker, and that way if you ever have that and something shorts to ground, if the supply shorts to ground, the GFI breaker will save it, and it will keep you from burning your house down. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, this. You've got to think about this stuff. All right. So listen, since you three are going to be completely useless for what to do with internal power supply replacements, let me just Worthless. ask a slightly off-topic question. Then, what if you have a Japanese Saturn, PlayStation One, PlayStation Two, uh, and you plug it into US power? What I was told, which might have been from Renee, was that some of the power supplies actually are rated for 100 to 120 volts and some of them are not and you have to open up the console to see which is which is that true is that like what what like give us yeah, something yeah, you, can, you could totally you could totally design a flyback transformer design that can handle 100 to 240 volts ac so that is a universal power input <clears throat> or you can have uh, an atx type power supply that has a switch on the back right whether you're accepting 240 or, or 120. So so both scenarios apply. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Okay. I don't care. Let me tell you something. Those Japanese power supplies, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I will run them. They're built pretty well. I will, <laughs> I will run them at 120 volt mains voltage. Yeah. All goddamn day. <laughs> Um, that, right. but that, that's something that's going to be listed on, on your power supply though. It'll say the input range, the allowed input range. Usually yeah. for a lot of USB stuff that we're getting nowadays, it'll be rated 100 ish to 240 ish, right? So they can ship it all over the world and not have to worry about different yeah. products in different regions. Well, that's the other thing about the triads is if you know, you're going to be jumping between regions, you get the international version that's meant to accept 100 to 240. So it's just never an issue, but on the yeah, on the internal side of things, 
I just, you know, open up your console, check the power supply, see if there's a rating. Sometimes they have it listed on the outside, not always for the older consoles, but yeah, I don't know. For for me personally, I would take the risk, but I wouldn't be comfortable telling other people, yeah, it's fine. Just plug in your Japanese console. You're not going to do any difference. So. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the, the countries in the past have gotten along and, and, you know, kind of made sure that if the plug doesn't fit, you're not going to screw it up. So you, you should be generally fine with that. Mm. Although, although if you, if you go into like the travel section of Walmart, right, you might get an adapter from 240 to 120. That is nothing but a straight connection, right? There's no transformer in there. That's most of them now. So, so that, that is, that is a scary thought though. So you, you can fuck it up using an adapter like that. Oof. You know, what, what I did years ago, what I did in 2016, me and Steve Kulov looked at the uh, power characteristics and the cleanliness of the PlayStation 2 Slim's AC to DC adapter. I cut the end of that thing because I didn't want to buy a, a gender changing uh, fitting. I cut the end of that thing and put a 2.1 millimeter uh, uh, inner outer uh, 2.1 by 2.6 or 2.5 mil. Anyways, I put a standard DC jack on that thing, and that single power supply, it's 10 volts, I think, at 3 amps. It powers it powers the 17 different consoles. Not 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 concurrently, but 17 <laughs> different consoles are are chained to this thing, and it's clean, it's wonderful, and it's it's very nice. Like it's a switch mode power supply from 15 years ago. Great, but that, that's Great essentially product. like, and I I know I'm oversimplifying here, but it's essentially like making your own triad. You're taking a power supply that you know is consistent and well built, and testing. And then you're just uh, adapting it to use with whatever console you can with it. Yeah, that's it. You're just, yeah, it's the same thing. All right. So barrel jacks. <laughs> and then we do have some good questions for the chat, but barrel jacks, Mike, go off on your rant. I want to hear it. Well, first of all, I mean, there's just, I, I think USB, I think this all started because micro USB just gets a shitload of hate. And it people does. are like, unnecessary why hate. do yeah. you, it, it's unnecessary because I think, there, it got a bad reputation because some products, I mean, I'm not even talking about in this space. I'm talking about like phones and um, just consumer electronics are using shitty micro USB jacks with that or surface mount and weren't through holes. So they weren't supported correctly. And of course they break. And people, people of course, then people get mad as they should and say micro USB sucks. But micro USB actually, if you get the right connector and they're soldered correctly through the hole, the through hole PCB, they're actually quite durable. And if you look at the... Um, the design for micro USB, the specification, they specifically designed it for like 10,000 cycles, whereas mini USB, its predecessor, was like something stupid, like 1,000 cycles. So done correctly, there's no reason to hate on micro USB. And, and you know, whatever I say here extends even more so for USB-C because supposedly it's more durable. But I didn't really have a huge problem with micro USB to begin with. It, it, to me, it just makes so much more sense to use USB for anything that we're building now because pretty much everything can run off five volts with you know any of these small to use for anything that runs off of five yep. volts. Yep. Yes, <laughs> yes. And you never have any shit with with oh my god, the polarity is wrong. We've put right. twelve volts with the wrong polarity into a device that didn't have adequate protection, and now my shit's screwed up. Or hey, crap, I need a. I have this device I pull out of a box. I can't find the barrel jack for it. What am I going to do? 
You know, the thing, listen, to me, what killed USB for me is all of these designers and builders were using, like you were talking about, Mike, surface mount components with no through-hole bite to them as power connectors. This killed the retro USB, the NES FPGA by... um, Oh, God. Help me, Bob. Who did the re- re- AV? What was it? The retro? What is it called? Not the retro. Retro USB is the company. What's oh, the, the, a- what's the AVS. Yeah. The AVS. This is what killed the AVS initially was that surface mount connector. If you just look at it the wrong way with that uh, lead-free solder, boop, comes right off. As long as that son of a bitch has a through-hole profile, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah. In, I, yeah, in my I, opinion. I only design like stupid PCBs for myself, and I always use the giant Type B with the six you know, huge case through hole. Let's see if I uh, have it. solder joints <clears throat> because solder is not mechanically strong unless I mean it, even even with through hole, it's not that mechanically strong. But you shouldn't even think about it as having any sort of strength if it's only through if it's only surface mount. So uh, I was wondering where you were going to go with this, Mike. But I actually agree one hundred percent. If you're using five volts, use a USB connector. I still think if you're not using five volts, though, barrel connector is the way to go. And I do think that your average person, excluding complete morons, if they see a barrel connector that happens to fit, they know just because it fits doesn't mean it would work. They might not know any more than that, which is totally fine, but they know that you can't just grab a power supply and, oh, I can wiggle it in, it'll fit, and that's a good thing. Most people... Or, or if even if they're not smart enough to figure that out, maybe they've already killed a device doing that once, so they're not going to do it again. So for things that are not hope, five volts or non-standard, I do still think that's better. Sorry, go ahead. I hope I hope I'm not going to get in trouble or get the person uh, make make the person upset because you know I name say drop, this name with drop. love. I say, no name drops. I say I say this with <laughs> love and I, I want to help them, but you know, one someone just killed the retro tank 4K because. Um, their HDMI oh. switch, which runs off five volts at a barrel jack, and they plugged in twelve volts into that HDMI switch because, you know, of course. Oh. I mean, I don't blame them because they all look so similar. So mm. then, twelve volts went from the switch to the RetroTank 4K, and then now the HDMI input died. And you know, I, I think that is a pretty common story, unfortunately, because you know, I, I mean, I think you're a pretty careful Bob, but I, I'm not that careful personally. Um, Bob's or... not careful. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you just proved your own point. That was a, a device that could have very easily run off of five volts. So there's no yeah. reason for that HDMI oh. switch to ever have had a barrel jack on there. So right. I, yeah, yeah. I, Here, I here's another reason why why it, why barrel jacks suck because some of them are center negative, which means you have the positive voltage on the yeah. exposed barrel, right? And a lot of devices have a grounded case, so you can easily just being be creating short circuits just trying to plug this thing in no i mean you're definitely right about that at um i don't know maybe the end uh i was about to say something stupid yeah i, I don't know i i just if it's i, I recently volts, tweeted about this. usb I, I tweeted about this i think just a few days ago right i ordered this small uh headphone amplifier from ebay and i'm, I'm totally guilty for ordering you know a, a chinese device right but it, it shipped without any kind of power supply it only has a barrel connector and it doesn't specify what the voltage <laughs> requirement is it doesn't specify what the polarity is like what the fuck am i supposed to plug into this thing good point good point, good point. so well but, but hold on Did, just i just want to remind me 
Didn't the OSSC have a lot of failures, though, because people were reverse biasing yes. the input by, plugging, by, by switching? They were plugging the wrong power supply in and, and killing them. And Marcus eventually added uh, some a, power protection. A little Schottky diode and, there on the input. That's what yeah, that would have I mean, saved it's, that. It's Marcus. Marcus is awesome. And, you know, I guess he wouldn't yeah, have expected sure. that that many people would have plugged the wrong power supply in, but it, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Yeah. That's the first circuit I learned to design at my first job out of school was, you know, you can put a, a, a MOSFET, a series MOSFET with the power supply that it will just turn off if the polarity is wrong. Right. So you're, you're off, essentially, yeah, yeah you're, you're essentially shorting the, the culprit power supply that's being connected improperly to your device at that point. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the first thing they taught us to design. And they said, you put this damn thing everywhere because if the, if, if you're supplying the user a method to connect something into your device. They're going to you fuck have, it up. You have to assume that they'll do it wrong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Twice right. bomb. Well, we actually have had some uh, some great questions from the chat. Um, I'm going to go in order of super chat because I'm a greedy bastard. Uh, Attract seventeen. Thank you for the super chat. Attracts interested in the the PS2 Slim versus Triad versus Reflex power supplies. I don't know. Or I don't think I know what the reflex is, but the PS2 slim versus the, the triads. I don't know. I'm I've sorry. never heard of a reflex. I've never heard of a reflex. That is might that actually new? be the. Isn't that what Mr. Addons calls all of product? Oh man, I, I think that's that might have been that one. But I don't know anything about that. I've never used it. So with respect, PS2 slim versus triad. What are your thoughts on that? There are the there thing. are two different models. Well, there well there are two. Well, okay, real quick, uh, Corey of. Corey of My Life in Gaming did a video on the PlayStation 2 power supply. I think after he talked to me about it, it got him interested. And I'm pretty sure that's what Corey uses for all of his systems. Okay. The problem is there is, if you're talking about the good model numbered PS2 Slim power supply, I prefer the, the, I prefer using it. I prefer using it because it's a little bit beefier. But there's uh, and I'm sorry, I'm so sorry about this. If you watch, if you find my life in gaming's video where they talk about power supply replacements, you'll see that he has I think he's pinned the comment where there's one specific PS2 slim power supply you you don't need to use. Sony actually recalled it, if I remember correctly, because it was catching fire. Again, that's Sony catching fire power supply recall. So, um, you know, if you want something brand new, get the triad. But if you want to if you have a PS2 one laying around and you're not using it and you don't want to spend the money, the PS2 one's perfect. I love mine. Okay. Um, next up, uh, Mogkiller1, thank you for the super chat. They said, sorry to go slightly off topic. Do any of you have an opinion on the Retro Game Cave Sega Trio adapter? Respectfully, I don't know what that is. I'm not, not a compliment or an insult. I just, I don't know what that is. Do any, uh, any I don't know what it is, but I, I, I don't know what it is, but I imagine Trio, that's to power Genesis... 32x and sega cd right maybe i don't know i'm sorry i don't yeah. have an opinion i don't i don't know yeah no you know we're not throwing shade we just if we haven't tested i just i've never heard of it yeah it's just um somebody had a question that i think i know the answer to but it's it seemed like a smart question so if you're worried about using the wrong power supply meaning not the wrong voltage but like you bought a cheaper one is there some kind of filter that you could put in between the power supply and the console? And I thought probably, but it would just be cheaper to get the right power supply. Yeah. I mean, you're basically putting the missing parts that should have been on the power supply on a, <laughs> right. on a separate PCB. 
And to the person who asked yeah. the question, I'm not I'm not teasing you. I just I think it was a great question, but I just I think that's the honest answer to it. So. I, I think we can give this little piece of advice. If you're buying a power supply, regardless of what you do, make sure that on the box somewhere you see a little logo that says C E. Mm. That's very important because at least if as long as it's not well, here's the problem with those uh, those conformities uh, those conformity markings. China, I'm sorry, Mike, China I'm not picking on you. They they fake them. <laughs> so if you buy these things on AliExpress and you see a CE marking, yeah. there's a very good possibility. Again, this is just the way it is that it's been faked. And I'm I would say look out for that uh, logo because that will tell you that this has went through a certification procedure. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If you buy these things in the wild on the Wild West market, they're going to lie and they're just going to uh, – more often than not, they're going to put that – just like they put the HDMI logo on all these pirate boxes. These companies right. are, don't have any sort of HDMI certification. They're just lying to you by just – they're just putting it on there. So you so, really can't even rely on that. I think I have a general answer to this and please, you three, give me your thoughts. If the company who's selling it – I'm not specifically talking about that company. Anybody in the world, if they take a power supply – that's something like a triad that has the proper amperage to handle all three of the consoles. That's consistent and it has a real CE rating and not a fake one. And what they're actually just supplying you is a rated power supply with a couple of decent quality converters that allow you to plug them into all three. Then I would say, yes, that's completely safe. Uh, as long as the power supply that they're buying is of quality. Would you agree? Disagree with that? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that to be facetious. I really don't know. I don't know if I do agree with that. Fair enough. If it were me, can I just say this? If it were me and I were building, I have a huge entertainment center and I want to hook up TurboGrafx, Sega, Super, everything, 25 different systems. Do you know what I would honestly do? Mm. I would go to, I would go to mauser.pornhub.lemonparty.org and I would order a nine volt or eight volt five amp Meanwhile, power supply. This is a caged power supply. Meanwhile, is top tier quality. I would mount that thing behind my entertainment center to the wall or to somewhere so it's off the ground. And I would just put out, I would just, I would make my own cable runs for, for the, with DC jacks. And I would just wire and jack those things into this nice large yes. power supply. It's about, Goodness, it's it's. I don't have anything uh, of comparable course, in size, Lord, but it's, Lord Voltar would would have the answer to make your own. Whereas most people don't have the time to do that. They don't have to worry about barrel jack size and fit or polarity. Bob, most so. people who are watching this right now are enthusiasts who are interested in this stuff. Otherwise, they wouldn't give a shit what we have to say. Yeah. They would just buy some. Let me bring some. So I'm talking to, to a very specific audience. You uh-huh. fucking most diabetic, delusional. <laughs> most of the people listening know exactly what you're talking about and have the skill set to do exactly what you're saying but don't have the time because they're adults with jobs and families and hobbies and unless they really enjoy doing this stuff they're not going to do that so you're right but it's also it's also not a realistic answer for people but i do you're it's think a it correct is. answer so no, it's your fuck you yeah so, so- so uh, we're talking still about a question of, of time and how much, how far down the rabbit hole you want to go. But I, I picked up four power supplies that were within arm's reach here. And if, if it appears, and, and, you know, if my memory serves me correctly from, from the regulatory testings I've done in the past, you have to do this. 
Um, if you are either CE marked or, or UL so, uh, marked, which is uh, under uh, underwriters laboratory, you can also have an MET mark. That means that you've passed regulatory testings. Uh, there should be a number that is listed on, on your device, which you can trace back to the regulatory agency and you can get publicly available information about that test. So it'd be, it would be very hard for someone to, to fake one of these markings. No, sorry. It'd be easy to fake these markings, but it would be hard to point to an actual test that is related to your device if it does not exist. So there's got to, there, there, there seems like there is some traceability for the consumer. On these devices. That's really important. That yeah, that's super important to know because again, if you buy these things on AliExpress, those markings are just going to be doctored and they're not going to be they're not going to substantiate anything. So again, you have to be very careful. I would stick the simplest answer I have for you, if you don't have time, stick to known and trusted brands. Well, how do you know what, what's known and trusted? Well, we've <laughs> clearly talked about Triad tonight. Triad's just a turnkey power supply. You just plug it in. And um, I believe HD Retrovision still has a little key on their website that will show you what little uh, fitting, what little pigtail you can buy for whatever console specifically that you would like to pair it with. I, I will, maybe we could, it doesn't match the so firebrand different. Yeah. I would go to, okay, so I, if you're going to buy that. one from the U S I would, I would go to the retro RGB link because I get a couple pennies on the sale. But if you're international uh, or if you just don't like me, then go to the firebrand exit site, which is linked on the page that I just posted in the chat, by the way. Uh, and okay, FBX cool. gives you the exact model numbers and you can buy them wherever your distributor is. Uh, so if you're not in the U.S., that's actually where I would recommend just because it's going to be cheaper for you so you don't have to import it or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, so F Firebrand X's website, great resource to find. Whatever little adapters that you you would like to have, but the right. Triad is the easiest turnkey. Buy it, you're done. That's it. Uh, another question from the chat. Some bottom-feeding ambulance-chasing lawyer said they use a step-down for their Japanese PVMs. Is that overkill? I, I don't Sorry, think that Roger. the PVMs. I, I think that the PVMs. I think that the. I think that the power supplies in the PVMs have plenty of swing to satisfy 100 and 120 volts. I don't think that that's necessary at all. One yes, iota. Just in case, because this is going to go up as a podcast in a couple of days. If you're jogging or driving and somebody beeped and you didn't hear everything Voltar said, we're talking about Japanese versus U.S. power. If you have a PVM that's PAL or NTSC, double check. A lot of PVMs will accept you know 90 to 240 volts or whatever but not all so double check where's the yeah i think you'll be fine is for the the japanese power versus u.s power so i i, I agreed with that one but i just wanted to put that disclaimer because i don't want somebody to be in the middle of a jog and be like yeah all right i'll just go plug my pal pvm into the u.s and see what happens well, so i'm i'm pretty sure that those those broadcast pvms are designed to satisfy ntscu and ntscj standard i i'm Double check, yeah. but I'm about 80% sure on that. Actually, oh, most just, of them have worldwide power built in. You can just use an AC. They, they do. Double they check, do, though, sure. but, but most do, yeah. I, I'm just curious if this ambulance chaser also has a power conditioner for his speakers. <laughs> that, that pussy. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Adam, Adam, Ant, thank you for the super chat. Since the NESs have a 9-volt AC power supply... Um, is it okay to use aftermarket power supplies, including the good ones that seem to have a nine volt DC power supply? Is it just capable of handling both? I think that's a, a good question that, uh, if you, you want, answer. 
if you want less heat and if you want more efficiency, there's no reason to use a rectified power supply. So in other words, use DC. DC will just float through those diodes and it'll go right to the 7805. Your system will run cooler and it will run more efficiently from a power standpoint. So don't worry yeah, well, about... I, I don't know if the NES has a, a half-wave rectifier or a full-wave. So you, you, it's the difference bridge. between... Okay, so, so you're, you'll be using half of the diodes all the time instead That's of right. all the diodes half the time, right? That's right. Which, That's right. Which is probably fine. <laughs> yep. Yep. So uh, DC power supply uh, for the NES and SNES, and you'll be just fine. That's what I would recommend. Uh -huh. yeah. Oh. So I think we could take power related questions from the chat. As much as I love all of you, I don't want to spend the stream troubleshooting somebody's sink on their N64. This is about power. So any power related questions also wanted to give a shout out to uh, Pixel Phoenix, Electron Shepherd, Region of Origin and Heathcliff Flowin for the awesome super chats. We appreciate you. If I missed super chats, I I'm sorry, I'm an ass and I, I, it's not intentional. That was paying attention to these wonderful gentlemen and not, not the chat scrolling by. But yeah, if anybody has power questions, we could hang out for a little bit longer and get through them. Or if we missed something or anything else, definitely fire away. And was there anything that um, that you guys wanted to talk about specifically that we didn't cover, something we forgot? I just, you know, um, uh, all of these conversations and these these all of these discourses that we have, it's just important that people understand they come from a good place. Again, it's not gatekeepy. It's not people trying to narrow like the playing field for people who want to come in and play and have a good time and contribute. It's just about making sure that people are informed and making sure that people have information available to them so that they can be informed and they can make good decisions for themselves. So just keep that in mind. And I don't want to mention the trolls, but just try not to try not let try try to let the background noise just sort of stay in the background and just sort of listen very carefully to what we've said and 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 you'll be okay. You're gonna you're gonna be all right. Oh. All right. A couple of good uh couple of good questions came in. First, wondering about using US supplies on other region consoles. So for example, a US GameCube power supply on a PAL GameCube in the US. Totally fine, right? I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, that should be fine because the 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 AC the, the AC yeah yeah check the ratings, but the AC is being converted anyways. It's all DC twelve volts on the output. That's perfectly fine. I think it's yeah, twelve volts. Check the, the console label on the console and the label on the adapter. I mean, I think they should match. And it's kind of like the N sixty four where you can just pop out the um, that the entire module. Yeah, I think that I think it's twelve volts DC, anyways. So I think it's I think it's okay. I'm pretty I'm about ninety percent sure. Mm. Okay, I could be wrong. Check it out. Renee's checking. So the input for my GameCube adapter specifies AC one twenty. That's it. Yep. All right. Um, Scruffy looking RGB. What's up, Scruffy? If you're gonna plug in like three or four consoles into one power strip, is that safe, or do you suggest a different solution? I would say completely safe as long as they're not all plugged in at the same exact time or not all. I'm um, sorry, not all powered on. Uh, and even then it should still be fine. Right, guys? Well, let's see. Yeah. Those power strips are supposed to be able to satisfy like 10 or 15 amps like concurrently. Hair dryers and yeah, and, uh, like the, crazy stuff. These you're talking about an NES, SNES. They might use five, five watts, maybe seven, maybe seven. Mm. Yeah, you yeah, could you totally could, power a hundred of them. Yeah, you, you're you're not going to uh, you're not going to uh, 
uh, heat that thing up until it melts or anything like that. Perfectly okay. safe. Perfectly safe. Uh, Mike Although, Russell, so, Jr., so, just, oh, I, sorry, continue, Renee. I, I, want, I want to add one more thing to this power strip talk. So w- earlier we talked about um, the cycle life of connectors, right? So, mm-hmm. so the reset switch on, on power bars also has a cycle life because it's a switch like anything else, right? So if, if you've tripped it multiple times, right, you're, you're, you're slowly reducing the life of this device and slowly reducing its capability to trip at its rated uh, current. So if, if you have a device, if you're using a power strip that has tripped multiple times, I would think about changing it, especially if you've plugged in a device that is um, obsolete and discontinued on the other side. Right? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Okay. Which is uh, why I still have a fuse box in my home. <laughs> uh, I'm going to blow through a couple of easier ones. First of all, Mike Brassel Jr., Happy New Year's. Cheers. Thank you very much for the super chat. M- much appreciated. Um, well, Bob's getting all these goddamn super chats. Well, I'm Fucking clearly the good-looking one. So, uh, <laughs> uh, re- region of origin, what if a triad, what if triad doesn't have an appropriate power supply? What would be another company to look at? Meanwhile is the one that I would always look at as a um, as an equal, how about you? Yeah, I'm all about Meanwell. I'm all about the triads. Um, that's really as far as I go in terms of like brands that I'm willing to recommend because those have been the brands that have been a real constant for the past 20 years that I've been like involved in this stuff mm. for 10 or 15 years. It might be intimidating for the average person, but anything that's sold on you know, Mouser or DigiKey, I yep. have high quality confidence in. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. Um, uh, what about the Sega CDX power supply? I would say a, a triad would be fine for that because it barely uses more power than uh, just a Sega CD would, right? Yeah, perfect. Okay. And remember, the triad you can you can get just real quick. The triad you can get in multiple different current ratings or amperage yeah. ratings. I think they've got one volt, two volt, even. I think I've got a three volt here that's connected. Three volts. You know that was a question that I forgot to write down. I know we've answered this before, but it's in the co- exact context of this. So, uh, whenever I'm in a situation like that, so let's say I have a CDX, and I know that it's going to probably draw more power than a Genesis because we got a spinning CD in there. But I probably don't have to go overkill with it. And for whatever reason, the official CDX power supplies are stupid expensive. So I would mm-hmm. just go find a triad and then I'd get the next up. So instead of the 2.5 amp, I'd get a 3.5 amp. It doesn't matter if I get a 1 million amp because it's the console is only going to draw what it needs. The amp rating is saying I could supply up to, not I'm always shooting this down the line. So when in doubt, you could just get a higher amperage power supply as long as the voltage matches, right? That's right. That's right. Just like capacitors, when you replace capacitors, if the cap's a 5-volt cap, but you replace it with, you got a 5-volt, 20-microfarad cap, but you replace it with a 50-volt, 20-microfarad cap, it's just the voltage ceiling of the cap. You can do that, and it's not going to harm anything whatsoever. So so yeah. we need to qualify your statement with, you're not changing a capacitor in any type of switching power supply, <laughs> because right. you're going to well, take a hell of a difference if you do well, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and, the, yeah. and the polarity the too, by the way. Greg from Laserbase yeah. in the chat. He just wanted to remind me. I, I dropped the uh, Sega CD. What I what I meant to say is the CDX is a Genesis two power supply. It's just not going to draw more than a Sega CD was. So yeah, it's a Genesis two power supply, and I would just make sure that there's enough amperage just to be safe. 
But yeah, thank you, Greg. I'm, I'm, uh, well, I, I, I just want to qualify what I said because Renee said something very important about ESR. People, were, do you guys remember when people were recapping Sega Saturns and they started getting all that vertical noise and all that aliasing? It's because they thought they just replaced the cap with a with the appropriate value, but the ESR was way high on these caps that they were using, and they needed to use something with a very low ESR very low leakage so that the power supply, so that the video systems would work properly. So I take back what I said. That was a terrible example. Excuse me. Fuck. That's God, that's it. where I'm here. I'm here to gatekeep all your bullshit. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> go fuck yourself, Moby. I'm muting this. Ah, there you go. Um, Koala Koa, what about have power options? God damn it! <laughs> 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 Koala wants to know what about power options for the top loading CDI. It uses that strange Ethernet power adapter, and there don't seem to be any other solutions for it. T was working on that. Um, I, I forgot what happened. I think we used an arcade power supply that had 5 volts and 12 volts, and T made an adapter, but I think it was always on when you used it, the power, uh, because it didn't have that, you know, like an ATX power supply. The button just sends that signal to, to say turn the turn the uh, computer on. So I don't know if you ever went anywhere with that one, but I, I do agree it's it's impossible to find those power supplies. So we do need something external that's aftermarket. Did, you three don't know anything about that, right? No. No, nothing, Bob. Nothing. I know nothing. I'm just a simple Canadian. Sorry. I, right. Honestly, Bob, I wasn't even paying attention to anything that you said. What? Could you repeat the last part again? Seriously, I'm not joking. Could you please repeat it? I was trying to listen, but you were cutting out. Uh, Top-loading CDIs have what look like yeah. a network jack at the back for their power supply, and it's because it feeds it 5 volts and 12 volts. And the power button itself isn't uh, an on-off switch. It's exactly like an ATX power supply where the bu power button sends the signal to turn the console on. So we use so it's a momentary push switch. It's a momentary yeah. push switch. Okay. Right. So... so what uh, I, we had done a project where we took an, a good quality, meanwhile, arcade PSU, and we hooked it up, and that worked, but we were kind of nervous just releasing it because all we, we knew that it worked. <laughs> That's it. Uh, but I was wondering if anybody else knew of any, any other uh, power supply replacements for that or anything like it. I would just use it. You know what I would use? This is an instance where I'd use a very high-quality Pico that has that power sensing, you know, where you just... Just like an ATX system, you just push the button, it shorts the power pin to the ground, and boom, it, it energizes. That's what I would do. Okay. Seriously. Interesting. That's that's you definitely could, a good and, idea. And real quick, I mean, you've heard me talk pretty negatively. The thing about Pico power supplies, real Pico power supplies, Pico is an actual trademark. Those things are very good. When you pair them with a good DC 12-volt supply, they're extremely good. But the problem is that they've been cloned, and they call the clones Picos when they're very substandard, well, I, don't, I don't even want to say equivalents, but very substandard equivalents. Good Pico power supply and a good 12-volt supply behind it, you've got a really good system, and that would be a great use case for that top-loading CDI. Thank you. Okay. A couple other easy ones. Castlemania Games, thank you for the super chat. Much appreciated. Uh, MC, is there a better power supply for a PC engine than a Model 1 Genesis power supply? Yep, the triads, they're already listed in that link. If you don't... Uh, if you don't live in a place where you can get it from the U.S., then just uh, go to the Firebrand X link. Um, Shock Goblin, you mentioned scope plots aren't enough to prove a power supply is appropriate, and they agree, but what sort of additional tests would you like to see people do when they test a power supply? 
You might. I hope Renee heard that. That's a good Renee That's question. It, uh, no, yeah. I, I was. I was telling. I was saying good night to my daughter. I heard nothing. Uh, okay. What don't matter, Renee. Shot Goblin said, you mentioned scope plots aren't enough to prove a power supply is appropriate, and they agree, but what sort of additional tests would you like to see people do when they test a power supply to prove that it's a good power supply? So I would I would look for at least, you know, different plots at different load levels, because load plays a major impact on, on switch mode power supplies. They're designed to be efficient at a particular uh, load current, right? And they can deviate a lot from that efficiency based on the load. So, so if, for example, if you're testing like a USB PD, let's say for uh, Genesis Tower of Power, and your scope capture happens to 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 um, illustrate a point where the CD drive isn't turning, well, that's going to be very different from when it is turning, right? The power draw will be different, and so on. So, I'd like to at least see that. I'd like to see uh, the noise differences, um, spectral, not not uh, just um, not just a voltage over time, right? But a, a voltage over frequency of the output signals, right? Based on, uh, I think MD Fourier can do this, right? Mm-hmm. But you could have captures of, of the video signals as well, seeing how the noise performance goes uh, there, and also just measure the thermals of that power supply too, right? I mean. Things, something can be rated to output uh, one amp at uh, five volts, let's say, for, I don't know what console. I'm just throwing numbers here. But uh, it could get very hot while you're doing that. That's not necessarily bad, but you might be uncomfortable with that. Right? I would certainly be uncomfortable with a device that would be plugged in 24-7 in my setup and that would be hot to the touch. That, that totally turns me off. I don't want that. Great point. Really great point. Um. Patrick working. Mike, how much is the pizza delivery power supply upgrade digital harmony for life? Thank you for the super chat. Uh, Mark, uh, can Mark Besser, can you talk about how some optical drive emulators don't play nice with stock PSUs? Example being the mode with certain models of the Saturn and its internal power supply. That's a great question because that could potentially be another use case to why you might want to replace the power supply or get a different ODE. Yeah, I don't think we talk about any of the Terra Onion products here because uh, those are just shitty people. Well, I mean, I'll so just I- say generally SD cards have, uh, <laughs> well, there's two problems. First, you know, accessing an SD card could inject noise that the uh, the original power delivery system was not designed to accommodate. So I think there's issues with noise coupling sure. to the audio during SD card activity. The other issue that we've heard recently is that, and this is something I've run into myself with other projects, with my own projects, um, is when you insert a card or when a card's accessed, you can get a large inrush current. So the SD card may not use a lot of power on average, but you do have these huge spikes, um, which your original PSU might not be designed to accommodate. So then you cause a brownout and a glitch. For the second problem, I think that can be solved with just better decoupling, usually, on the uh, on the ODE. So it's not something that requires a system modification. I- I'm not so sure about the noise injection problem, though. I remember with the uh, SSD S3 when I was fixing that the video stuff for them. Mm-hmm. I the one that you that were the... gatekeeping. I, re- I remember that conversation too. <laughs> I, I was totally gatekeeping it uh, because you know I'm pro gates, um, but um, I love the gates. But I remember that depending on the brand of SD card that you would use, 
would that would determine how much audio frequency noise you would get from the coupling of those th- those data lines into the analog audio. And I remember, I'm I'm pretty sure that if you used a SanDisk, if you used a specific SanDisk model SD card, micro SD card with the SSD S3, the noise floor went like crazy low and it was almost, the noise was almost, almost imperceptible in a lot of ways. So yeah, that's really interesting. I think the solution to that is just to put a big old reservoir cap on it. So when it takes those big gulps of inrush, you've got like a supply, you've got storage there and then some nice ceramics for decoupling those lines. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right in general because the SD card uses so little power on average, right? I think this is all solvable with decoupling and isolation. Um, I, I don't think it's anything that warrants, hey, I'm going to rip out the OEM power supply and then <laughs> right, put something right. new that Make may it- or may not work better. Just make the device better, design it, design it better, and yeah. don't worry about. Listen, if you design something and it doesn't work well with factory equipment, in my opinion, your design is a piece of shit. Okay, that's I, my I was, opinion. I, I was saving my TLDR for when everyone stopped talking, but yeah, good point. If you design something and it doesn't work with it, it's your fault. It's not the power, original power supply's fault. That's right. That's right. Well, listen, exactly. I. I, I Forget about who we're talking about here. This was a specifically a use case with one model of the Saturn that supposedly they hadn't tested. So in that in that context, not everybody will go through the trouble of buying. Let's I don't know. Nobody is specific here, but buying every single mother motherboard revision of the Super Nintendo from every region and all places over the world and delay their project for a year to make sure they got it right. You should, but not everybody has uh, has the ability to do that, or or just the thought to do that. So, well, hold on no, a second, but, though. But, what, but, what, but, what, but, go ahead, Renee. I'll say something after Renee. Jesus, okay. so, that's not my name. But the, the, ah, what was I going to say? You interrupted me. No, I interrupted you, and then my I lost my train of thought. You want me to say it, and while you think about it, you want me to yeah. say what I was going to say? Okay, so <laughs> let's remember. The GC loader that sold, by, that uh, Dan Kuntz, I'm sorry, Kuntz sells. Remember that thing, um, the the ver- the V2 of it. I can't remember the guy who who actually designed it. Super nice guy, by the way. But that thing was sold broken, badly broken. A lot of people couldn't get that uh, the 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 SD card loader, the the GC loader, to work properly, and it was because. Some of the capacitors in the power section, there's a little power board for the GameCube that's right in the base, right in the bottom. Some of those capacitors were aged in a lot of these systems. Naturally, it came out in 2001. And so those capacitors being older and losing some of their uh, losing some of their uh, horsepower, that changed the ready state of certain um, of certain elect- uh, that's changed that manipulated the ready state or influenced the ready state of some of the digital stuff, meaning that the GC loader, the SD card thing, the V2, wasn't working properly. And so you either had to go add a cap. Either I think you, I think the solution was you had to add a uh, an electrolytic to the GC loader. You had to do a mod to it, or you had to re- replace a specific capacitor. But again, that if those your design should be so that it is it is going to it is going to compensate and account for a 24 year old or 23 year old piece of electronics that's aged uh, that has aged appropriately over the course of 20 something years of use right so you have to take that stuff yeah. into account and you, 
I agree, but I think honesty is the more important thing. If you if you said something like, hey, I really tried to buy every single motherboard revision, and I think I tested it on all of them, and I did my best, but maybe there's a board revision I don't know about. So, you know, for anybody buying the first batch, consider yourself a beta tester, even though it's finished, and let me know. I think if people run into problems there, that's fine, because, you know, now you're part of the, the first run of testers for this thing, I think of people in the in the opposite. If somebody's like, this is the best product that's ever been released for every console and it's 100% working and it doesn't, that's where the issues are, are a much bigger deal because people aren't selling millions of ODEs for consoles. They're selling thousands. And it's you, know, it's, you can't have the budget to have a flawless launch. And even companies that do have those budgets don't have flawless launches. So I think it's all about honesty and how things are launched and the perspective that people give during the launch. Well, okay. Just another thing, just to talk about things that still don't work. It's to my understanding, this is a little off topic, but I just, I always want to ask you, Bob. No, I was wanting to ask you because you know more about this than I do. Are people, the, the, the mega S, the, the, the Terra Onion Genesis Sega CD ODE cartridge, the V2, I think it runs off of an Intel FPGA or an Intel, Intel logic chip. And that thing, is that thing still broken? Are they still like, are the users, the buyers of that, are they still basically beta testing this and trying to get, trying to help Terra Onion fix that thing? We talked about Terra Onion and that brought it to my mind. And I was just wondering if they were still selling a $200 shit box. My, my honest answer is I have no idea. Uh, honestly. Okay. I mean, I sold mine for unrelated reasons. Uh, I, I've, you know, I, I've kept my Crick's cart, the Mega SD, or Mega SD, she's Mega EverDrive Pro. Uh, and I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot of chatter, but it's really hard when you, I mean, we said we're going to do no drama, but here's the, just the blatant truth. When you have a company that is surrounded by drama, you draw a drama crowd. You draw the trolls. If you yourself are going or acting like a troll. So I honestly have no idea if the problem has been fixed because it could just be a bunch of people who feel like being assholes because that's the vibe that they've brought to them. So it could have been fixed a year ago. It could never been fake. I just, there's no, there's no way to tell unless you own one and you test yourself. So I just, I don't know. So, so okay. I, I remember what I was going to say. Screw you, Voltar. Don't talk. <laughs> so, and, and to shout out someone in the chat. No, it is not. The world is a vampire. I much prefer Siamese dream over melancholy. Um, I was going to say, if we're talking about, you, you, Bob, you mentioned honesty, right? Which is the important thing uh, when you're testing your devices. Um, I think the flip side to that is 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 I'm suspicious of test methodology, right? If you've tested hmm. every single or or most board revisions against a power supply type, right, and and you, and you haven't collected sufficient data that shows that your device is right on the edge of a spec such that one of like maybe 10 or 20 different revisions causes you to go over that spec i think you should have been suspicious from the beginning from the beginning right right because yeah. i don't yeah. think yeah. i don't think that the board revisions deviate so much that they throw you completely out of your data right i and and again i mean i mean hindsight is 2020 when when we're talking about this right but i think someone should have collected sufficient data and if they sh if they had collected sufficient data, they would have probably seen that a lot of their ratings, a lot of their specs were on the edge of failing, which is what leads that that one, you know, mysterious, elusive revision to 
to cause their device to fail. You're 100% Which is exactly right, but you, you can't tell people how many projects would have never happened if somebody didn't start with a first product that was fine. How, how many projects? I mean, we all know somebody no, no, that uh, will not release their product unless it is beyond perfect, and now they just don't have any more products. So, you know, there's got to be a cutoff of what to do with stuff like that. I totally agree. It's just I've, I've been. I think I've been trying to play devil's advocate here for most of the night. I'm no, trying to go yeah, drama yeah. free. Yeah. That's good. Drama free as much as possible. We all know how that turned out last time, right? You just blame me for everything. It's fine. Well, I mean, that's why Bob doesn't own a PS1 digital and N64 digital. That's why he doesn't own any of that shit anymore because he's just he's decided to be a real man. I'm just going to tell you. I'm just. Uh, that's exactly just, why I just I just said I want to start all of the drama in the world. It's not that I never owned them to begin with. I bought them just to sell them to have drama. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, you two more questions. Good. Two, two more questions. Uh, and then uh, I got a pee, so we're going to end it after these. Black Sham okay, Alex said they have a PS2 Slim with a power supply SCPH 79100. Is it any good? Is it, It's 8.5 volts, not the... Uh, the it's different than the one. So the I, I think the answer to Alex's question is just make sure... That it's the one that Corey talks about in the video. Right? Just go to the My Life in Gaming video. He gives the model number for the one that I recommended to him, which he uses. And he also gives the model number in the comments of the one that Sony recalled due to a fire, due to the, due to the, 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 the fire, uh, the fires of uh, 76. That's all you got to do. Just go to the My Life in Gaming video and you'll know very soon if it's the good one or the bad one. All right. And I know the answer to this question, but I want Mike to answer it anyway. What happens mm -hmm. if you plug a uh, a power supply into any of the RetroTank products that isn't powerful enough to power it? Is it going to explode it? Is it going to burst into flames? Is it what exactly happens if you have an underpowered PSU plugged into the tank? Yeah, 2X, Mike. Five X, four K. What Mike, happens is it to the ten dollar FPGA? Mike, is it going to explode it? You know what? This just shows you how greedy Mike is. He wouldn't even send me a prototype that was properly wired. He's so greedy that he had to uh, he had to hot glue this bodge in for He's me. He's so Mike. greedy he used the nine dollar FPGA on yours. Yeah, Mike, this was he used the nine dollar FPGA that can't handle undervolts. So just please don't do it. <laughs> um, if you undervolt, in general, nothing bad will happen. This question actually comes up a lot. And what happens is the first thing you hear is the audio stops working. Either you hear noise or nothing at all. And that's because audio runs off 5 volts. So the first thing that happens we don't have enough power is it still works, but the voltage from the 5-volt USB drops like 4.5 or 4 volts. Everything else still kind of works, but then you lose audio. And then if you go any further, the lights start dimming. You just don't lose. You just don't get picture at all. Um, so nothing, nothing, nothing bad. Just, you know, if you don't get it, the first troubleshooting step that, you know, we always do is, hey, just make sure you're using a 5 volt, 2 amp supply. Try a different USB cord because sometimes USB cords aren't built well and they have uh, they drop too much too much voltage. And but, uh, yeah, nothing happy USB-C, um, flip it over. I, I know that USB-C is supposed to be yes. bi-directional, <laughs> but if you plug in a USB-C cable that doesn't work and it worked on something else flip over one of the sides and it might actually start working. Wendell from Level that's 1 Text taught me that and that's 100% true. That's another thing though about those USB cables. If you ever cut some of them open that are that are sold for the purposes of being used for power, I swear to God some of them use like two 36 AUG stranded conductors for power and ground and they, yeah. you have a 36 AUG conductor that's that's probably six feet long and this is supposed to supply two amps at five volts. <laughs> that's crazy.
It's and then, and then you And then you remember that the USB spec says that it should be 5 volts plus or minus 5%. So you could be getting 4.75 volts on the sender side, and you're dropping a whole bunch of voltage at 2 amps across yeah, the 6-foot cable. Then you're definitely losing audio on your RetroSync 4K. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, this was a blast. Um, everything was really great, except for your useless answer to the internal power supply problem. <laughs> sorry. What do you sorry. mean, my useless answer? Read the fucking board, Bob. Read the board. Uh, I actually do have a real answer to that, and okay. um, I, I, I think if you were really, if you really wanted to design an internal power supply, and uh, for example, for a PlayStation One, right, where the external interfaces, you're plugging 120 volts in, and your internal power supply has to power the rest of the system i would look on digikey and if i were to design a product and sell it i would just buy one of those sealed modules that are designed for soldering onto a pcb that's basically just a walmart in it like in an encapsulated module and that's where i would start but even then I, i'd be really skeptical of just speaking for myself personally designing a product that interfaces with 120 volts we talk a lot about certification that's probably the one thing that i would say hey if you're going to sell it you should get it ul certified and get all that shit, which no one is going to do if they're going to sell 100 units. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm smart enough to tell you that I'm not smart enough to give an informed opinion on how those things should be designed and implemented and sold. I can just tell you that what I recognize that's being that's being peddled around has nothing to do. It's not not a negative thing about the creator, but those things just don't look very good to me based on my limited engineering ability. And I can tell you that there's no way I would buy any of that stuff. Should it be done? Yeah, there's a good use case for that. Like I said, the PAL thing, if you need to go from 120 to 240, absolutely. Mm. An aftermarket power supply makes perfect sense. If you, you know, if you want to drop temperatures, if you're worried about that, even though that's what it's designed to work with, sure, makes sense. But just blindly replacing this shit, I just don't, I don't under, I don't, I don't subscribe to that at all. Oh. Well, listen, all, all kidding aside, one of the many reasons I love doing stuff like this with you guys is because even extreme narcissists like Voltar are able to say, like, hey, I don't, I don't know the answer to this. I would so much rather have have this chat and have people be like you know what i don't know a solid answer to this or we haven't found a solid answer then then work with people that are like i want to sound smart so i'm going to make some stuff up like no I, I love the honesty here and i really appreciate all three of your time i think that just based on the the comments in the chat alone i think people are a lot more comfortable thinking about power now because we have experts talking about it um, so I just I, I think that this is one of these things that's very niche and very nerdy, but the people who do listen and appreciate it are really going to appreciate your expertise and your time. So all three, of you, even Voltar, thank you very much for all this, because honestly, this is super helpful for everybody who's interested. And even on the flip side, I bet you there's some people designing internal power supplies right now that are going to go, you know what? I thought I did my diligence, but let me go double check this just in case based on your feedback. So. I, you know, I hope that all of our silly jokes aside, that everybody listening knows that one of the side effects that we want conversations like this to have is people putting out really good quality stuff, good USB PD stuff that's properly labeled and, and something that you're not going to mess up and good, uh, good internal power supplies. And it's, it's conversations like this that, that are going to really start it. So you, you three are amazing. I really appreciate you. I know that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's it. I got to pee really bad. So let's call it. And uh, uh, in the chat, obviously, the, the reason that we do these things is because you're all here hanging out and the people listening on podcast after. So 
you're all the best as well. Uh, happy New Year, everybody. Thank you. And uh, lots more to come in 2024. There's a lot of cool things that, you know, some people here might be working on too. So.